I got to tell you, in short, I put some bullet points here so I didn't forget my thoughts. Um, I felt it was superior to 3D movies, stereoscopic 3D, or motion control gimmicks of the past. So I thought that was a nice compliment I can give it starting off here. Uh, I felt it actually did feel like a different experience. Uh, I like the ability to use the standard DualShock 4 for certain games. Now, when I say that, while I only play Battlezone, I saw some other stuff going on and other people online playing different things. Uh, so, you know, I didn't realize that, you know, some games do utilize the move controllers. A majority uh, of games will, will be playable with the DualShock 4, though. Yeah, so I didn't realize that, so that was kind of, uh, I kind of like that. And I didn't think the helmet was too bothersome over no. my prescription eyeglasses. Yeah. And furthermore, the gentleman that was there, the Sony worker that put it on me and tightened it, you know, I felt like if I was at home and fiddling with it a little bit more myself, I probably could have made it even more comfortable. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, typically when I use it, like, um, people just give it to me and ask me to put it on. Because uh, I think maybe they trust like media more than just you know average slub at a store trying it on right. they want to put it on yourself uh they want to put it on themselves but um yeah it's it's very easy to get on and there are a few adjustments you have to know about to kind of perfect it uh but yeah i, I think it's actually of all the ones i've tried it's the easiest one to put on yeah it was uh it was pleasantly surprising i there may be some things I say here on my feelings that some people listening may be like, you know, how much of an idiot am I or how, how much of a lack thereof in terms of homework that I do on this device. But there's a couple real rudimentary things that caught me off guard, such as, you know, when you have the helmet on, how up close and personal your viewing space feels, but not in a negative way. Also, things like when looking at the cockpit, cockpit turning right and left or up. How everything moves in real time with, you know, no real lag or anything of that nature. And just being able to literally, like, how your vantage point changes as it would in real life. Mm -hmm. Now, I know some people may be going, well, you know, well, isn't that kind of the whole point? But, like, until you get it on and you're looking at it, you really can't, uh, you know what I mean? Like, you can't really prepare yourself for it because, as we've already known for years, you know, you can't really convey VR uh, via online videos right you know or capture it properly and this really drives that home now what i will say kind of in closing here is does this mean i'm going to rush out and get it day one uh, i'm going to say no but could i see myself owning it maybe within the first year of release or maybe after maybe a first price drop or something like that i'm going to say yes uh, i'm also going to say that while i'm not losing sleep over it or doing backflips I certainly see uh, there's more promise with this endeavor, I feel, than other, and I hate to call it and water it down by saying gimmick, I think that's unfair, but versus other gimmicks in gaming in the last 10 years, I do feel like this could have legs yeah. or improved upon greatly in future iterations of the hardware. So I'm, I'm going to give it a thumbs up. And Battlezone's a kind of weird game, because um, I played that too, and... It's it's interesting, but it's it's kind of the way the graphics are designed and everything. You're not getting the full kind of VR experience. So it almost, to me, when I played it, felt like a tech demo on a certain level. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's the kind of game where, like, it's it's actually kind of neat. It feels like the kind of game you'd play, even if you go to an arcade or something like that. But I would never say, like, 
that gave you the full experience of what VR is. There was another game they showed there, and I got to see it off just on the screen. And I got to tell you, it looked uh, – I'm going to use the word amazing on screen. I don't know what it was like in VR, but what was the um, – and this is funny because before we got on the air here, we were talking about Korean uh, uh, graphics engines and MMOs and game PC gaming out of South Korea. What's the VR demo slash game that they've got running on? Is it Eve? Oh, yeah, uh, Eve Valkyrie. But it's weird because the Eve Valkyrie they have for the Sony VR is technically a different perspective than what the traditional version is. Is that correct? Because Eve Online is like a, a totally different, like a space sim, like MMO kind of game where you're doing right. a lot of like strategy and... and third person flying around and stuff whereas this is you're in that world but now you're first person flying okay a spaceship and much more like action oriented have you seen it i played it yeah what did you think i thought the visuals were that i think i think from the games i've played like i think that was one of the more impressive ones um i thought Riggs was pretty neat Mm. Uh, i was actually really disappointed in resident evil 7 when i played it um, I haven't tried too many because VR makes me like want to vomit. So yeah. um, even like this, the, the kind of the quieter, less hyperactive games. So I really haven't played a whole lot of, of mm. them. Mm. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, I'll say it was pleasantly surprising. Uh, I'm not down on it anymore. Like I said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say to save your money and go out day one and rush to it. I will say this. Give it a shot because unlike other things in the past and, you know, whether it be in the movie medium or gaming medium where I'm like, you know, this is a, you know, it's it's just another gimmick or it's not going to last. I will say this. Give this a shot. It's, it's it's not bad. I kind of, I mean, there's some part of me that wishes I could do VR more than I can do. So I do think it's really interesting. And I think, you know, beyond like motion controls, beyond connect, beyond those kind of things, I think VR is where that that kind of gimmick like you were saying gets really interesting right and it's got a lot of interesting possibilities but i just i worry about trying to play a game just for a half hour 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 and a half two hours like that so well you're going to be really in trouble when they release um the vr version of pokemon go oh yeah (laughs) Still haven't played it. Oh well, I haven't. I haven't downloaded yet, and that's. I'm raising my right hand here. I'm swearing on that. Uh, I I downloaded. Okay. Okay. So we're done. I'm done with the VR topic for now. I had to get that off my chest and say it was a pleasant surprise. Okay. I I didn't think this was going to be next on our uh, plate here, but I, I got to. We got to get into this. We could probably do the whole show show on this if we had to. Here's the deal. I haven't downloaded Pokemon Go yet. Uh, my reasoning for that is, is I've got enough games and enough other stuff going on in my life that I just, with the pile of doom, I didn't need something else uh, on top of my social networking, addiction, texting, acting like I'm 17 and all that stuff. So I haven't done it yet, but uh, just about everyone else I know who has, so I've actually gotten to see some of the visuals secondhand. Uh, Molly, uh, this is the thing that's shocked me. This is what's shocking me the most about Pokemon Go right now, Okay. Last weekend, I was out with a buddy, and we were all we were in Portland, we were in Milwaukee, like which is like 50, 20 minutes. Like we were in various parts of the city. Okay, like I live in my bubble, and there's a couple blocks here. I'm always walking around, and I live kind of in a busy area. But 
the point I want to drive home here is that last week I was, we're going to say I was all over the Portland metropolitan area. I wasn't in one spot. Okay. Every single place I went, there were either people discussing <laughs> or playing or doing both in relation to Pokemon Go. It is, it is really a phenomenon. I was trying to find a few examples, but I'm not finding the good ones yet. But, like, so I get a lot of um, uh, PR, like press press releases in my email because of working at a gaming company. You know, people want things covered. Right. So I've gotten, um, like, okay, so here's one. uh, Petition asks Pokemon Go creator for Harry Potter version. I got a press release about that. Um, I got. I don't have it offhand. But I got okay, wait. Not to be rude and cut you off. Is that a possibility? Well, no. They're saying they that it's. Um, blah, 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 blah. There's a Care Two petition going around that hopes to convince Neontic Labs and Warner Brothers to create a Harry Potter augmented reality game. Wow. So I got that. Uh, I got the email. Um, 100,000 U.S. voters say Pikachu no longer number one. Uh, so that's like, uh, just, I totally don't know. It's, oh, it's Wishbones. Is that Wishbone app? I don't know if you ever used Wishbone. Uh, I have not. It's like a voting app. So they, I got a PR about that because people in the voting app voted for different Pokemon over uh, over Pikachu, and then they, they tie that. Um, this is one of the best ones I got, that I think. Um, T-Mobile gives customers free Pokemon Go data. Yeah, d- yeah, you, you yes. talked to me about so that So it one. said next Tuesday, this is a while back, but next Tuesday is part of T-Mobile Tuesdays. We're thanking customers with unlimited data for Pokemon Go through August 2017. A free Frosty, you got to stay fueled <laughs> up. Uh, you got to stay fueled up in the hunt. A free lift ride for up to fifteen dollars to explore new gyms and pokey stops. Fifty uh, percent off selected accessories like battery packs to keep playing for hours and hours. Uh, Pokemon distracts from Trump surgery. So there's like some sort of okay game with Trump and Pokemon Go. Uh, I mean, it's just like it's funny because I just like survey data. Uh, Pokemon Go is more popular than Twitter. Like I've just gotten yeah, that's, yeah. so many emails, uh, just in any way that can relate to Pokemon Go. Like any way people can somehow figure out to ride on the Pokemon Go like a hype train. People are doing it. I can't believe it. I mean, it's, it's seriously like this isn't hyperbole or an exaggeration. It's everywhere. Yes. It. <laughs> I mean, uh, when I'm do- I'm right, I'm buying myself some time right now, looking for a photograph of a sign I just snapped at Best Buy. Uh, oh, here we go. Walking in there, <clears throat> it says, "Got to catch them all." You can't catch them all with that old phone. Are you eligible for an upgrade? Check now. Yeah. But. I'm trying I, to think of some of the ones I've seen, but yeah, there's like um, just so many. It's, it's been crazy. I got a call on, as, as some people might know, I work around real estate for my... Okay, wait, wait, before you get in there... Okay, oh, no, I've, but this is Pokemon Go related. No, and I know, I know. Oh, but yeah, I, yeah. I've just come to look at right yeah. now and I'll forget. Uh, there's a story here. It says, Pokemon Go watched twice as much as Overwatch during launch week on YouTube. <laughs> 
So I want to ask you, like, like, what worst thing can you think to watch live stream? Okay, no, I mean, gaming-wise, than somebody walking around their town trying to catch Pokemon. Like, how is that interesting to watch? I mean, I realize we live in a world where now, like, Twitch is streaming people eating their food. Wow. But, like, I, I, don't, I don't get that at all. You know, and I'm a Twitch sucker, and I watch a, I watch, you know, I, I watch a lot, good, bad, the ugly, whatever you want to call it. But I, the thought never even crossed my mind to look for a Pokemon Go based Twitch channel to watch. Because when you have to have somebody else filming that person, <laughs> so, now, so now not only are you walking around like a like a dork, like holding your phone everywhere trying to catch Pokemon, but now somebody else is filming you walking around with your phone trying to catch Pokemon. And I want to look at my, my dark comment. Look, if you want to play the game, I don't care. I have no problem with it. Right. But just like, I do think there's been something said about the fact that like, people walking around, you know, kind of like zombies just with their phones up and not looking where they're going and hitting poles and walking in the streets and things like that. So just be careful when you're playing this stupid thing. How out of touch or how insane do you have to be to be that engrossed in that to just... You know, it, I, I don't. I can't even. I don't even know what to say. I mean, I had people phone giving me phone calls on that Monday morning after that weekend, asking me about it, and because they know I'm into gaming, and and I'm like, Jesus Christ! I'm like, these people don't even. They nor, they wouldn't even want to open a can of worms about a discussion <laughs> about games, and they're all asking me about Pokemon Go. And one of the stories they told me was they were out. On, I don't know. It was like on a hike or walk or some excursions. That, excursion the last weekend, and they were out by a bridge. And the gentleman that called me was almost, he said he was going to take a, some footage or photos, but he didn't do it. The, he, he, his words, and I, I don't know if it was exaggerated, the quote he said was, there were hundreds of people gathered around down below in this one area, all doing Pokemon Go. No, I mean, Hundre- like, yeah, hundreds. It, there, there's been videos online about that happening. You know, it's like just crowds and crowds of people. Because there's certain Pokemon that's in that area or whatever. Now let me ask you this. Let's turn the let's look from the other side of the coin here. Now, we're talking about the peoples and the, and the people, the sheep, the zombies. Now, if you're Nintendo, how are you feeling? Well, the problem with that I um, think I know I think I know what you might say, but continue. Is so you have to so there even if you're making purchases through the app, you have to share some of that money with the, the company that has the app store, whether that's Google or Apple. And not to be rude and cut you off, do you think you can buy 20 seconds? I, this is so... Yeah. Oh, I'm going to sound like a geezer. I subscribe to Bloomberg Weekly because I'm 75. <laughs> and I'm going to go grab it, and they actually have the pie chart of how it gets cut up. Hold on. I'll be back. So, so now that's... Uh now that Anthony's gone and he'll never hear this part, um, I will admit that while I am sitting here talking to him, I'm also scrolling through uh, Overwatch fan art. Um, I'm currently on. Uh, so this is, uh, so I hate Tumblr. I hate Tumblr, but I use it to find a lot of art. And this one is overbutts.tumblr.com. Um, and there's other ones I can recommend to you, especially pharmacy-based, you know, if you want to ask me. But So... Uh, I'm back, and uh, I'm looking at 
Bloomberg Business Week, their most recent issue. And they've got an article on a little piece on companies, industries, and it's got breakdown of Pokemon Go. And there's a piece here that says the split. Mm-hmm. Who gets what from players' in-game purchases at the App Store? So on this pie chart, it's, it alleges it says Nintendo, 10%. The Pokemon Company, 30%. Apple, 30%. Niantic, 30%. It says, and then it also has an asterisk. Now, in regards to Pokemon Company getting 30%, Nintendo owns 33% of the Pokemon Company and can yes. include a third of that company's earnings and its financial results. But isn't it funny that Apple's getting more from this than Nintendo is? Well, okay, so that kind of segues and leads into my next kind of, not really a question, but statement. Do you feel that this is part of the reason that Nintendo is releasing the assistant device for Pokemon players, which is like 30 or 40 bucks coming out in about a week? Oh, yeah. I mean, like, so is that is that straight through them? It has to be. Because if it is, then, then that would definitely... It's it's a really weird... It's a really weird situation, and, and it's funny because I'm looking at the stock right now, and the stock's already dropping, sadly. Very sadly. Well, uh, okay. okay it, was, it, was, it was getting to be a high of like $37, something like that, and it's down to 29 right now. Mm. Um, but we'll see what Japan, if it goes back up. But... It's. It, I've always found it a weird situation. How, like, why did Nintendo never just completely buy out Game Game Freaks back then? Game Freak, I guess. Not Game yeah, Freak. and I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm gonna. Is I, Game Freak what Pokemon Company is now? Well, that's that's. I don't. I, I was trying to figure that out. I'm not a hundred percent. I think it's like a separate company that was set up to represent. Um everything about pokemon okay so they said it was it was okay it was set up by three companies basically nintendo game freak and creatures and creatures this is one of the parts i've been confused about um it's it's a japanese video game development company affiliated with pokemon company um it's one of them for producing pokemon trading cards and toys as well developing some video games so i think i think there was three parts you had nintendo for whom Game Freak made Pokemon. You had Game Freak, the creator of Pokemon, and then you have Creatures, like this other company that's kind of like doing other Pokemon stuff, and they're like, you know, let's come together as one company so that we can work together and have shared interests and things like that. So I think mm. those three companies each have like a basically a 33% stake in the, you know, in this stuff. But why, <laughs> like, I don't, why did Nintendo not just buy out everything back then? Like, that's crazy to me, you know? Um, so it feels really weird now that this this brand that is so Nintendo is, you know, they're not making all this money off of this game. I mean, they have a 10%, they're getting 10% Right, of I, I've thought of, th- right, and then it, let's say if they get a third, this is like a math problem, uh, a story problem. And then they get about a third of what Pokemon Company. So what you figure so, so a third, another, a third. So ten. So let's say twenty percent. Twenty percent. But I mean, it's it's it, it's complicated. It's more complicated than that because they're getting right. They're getting ten percent of thirty. I don't know if that it directly translates, but maybe it does. Um, right. But yeah, like it's it. Nintendo should be making like way more, so it, like in our minds, right? Right. And that's what, that's what everybody was talking about. Is like, and that's why I think why the stock went up. Maybe people didn't realize how it all worked at first. 
Um, everybody's like, oh, yeah, Nintendo's making billions off this already. It's like, well, they really aren't. But as we know in the stock market, which you know some can say is as bad as a casino, and I'm not arguing that, uh, with its projections and worth that isn't really there. Projections as of last week were over $12 billion. You know, I mean, that's that's. No, crazy. I mean, this is definitely a thing where, like, this is not money to sneeze at. Right. Absolutely. It's like Amiibo, you know. It's still bringing in a decent chunk of change for them. But I just feel like they should be getting way more because this should all have been in-house Nintendo, in the, you know, in the first place. Right. I guess that's why Game Freak still has the ability to do stuff like Tembo the Badass Elephant. Right, and just like it's, it's just crazy to me that Nintendo never tried to own Game Freak, or maybe they did and it didn't work. I right. don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That's convoluted. Maybe we're all uh, suckers. Maybe it's just the front Nintendo does own them. <laughs> but it, it's like, yeah, it's it's so funny that Apple's making more off of this than Nintendo. Is. Yeah, I mean, the Apple's got to be loving that. Apple too, has right? to be loving this. But, but it's funny because I think that if you go to the actual App Store, like I've never seen an ad for this. Let me go right now and see what's featured. Because this should be, like, number one featured, like, every single day right now. And, it's like, first, this Skyscrapers game. There's Dots and Company, Tiny Cards, Snake Bird. There's no ad for Pokemon Go. That, does, that doesn't seem logical. That doesn't seem to make any sense. And I don't know if it's something, like, where they just can't for some reason or what. But, yeah, like, why is there no... Or maybe they just feel like, you know what, it doesn't need an advertisement at this point. Yeah, but wasn't the statistic that it it out-downloaded Facebook and Twitter like combined or the highest downloaded app or game of all time? Yeah, I can't remember if it was like actual like active users or downloads or what it is, but it's Man, the the question though, you know, and I talked to another friend of mine about this is like how long does this last? Right, that's like, the next like what happens when winter time comes? Does this does this get hurt by winter time, for example? Let me say this though. So I'll meet you halfway on that. So as we know, like anything, the craze is going to die down at some point, which also, as we know, they can wait a little bit of time and you get a sequel out there and it goes nuts again, right? But taking Pokemon out of the equation, I feel this kind of validates not just myself, but what many other people have said over the years. And I'm sure you've had similar feelings, even though I I know you're not a huge Nintendo fan. And I'm not, you know, I have a respect for Nintendo. So do I, absolutely. It's not so much that I love Nintendo. I used to love Sega as a fanboy. I loved Sega. I loved SNK. I loved Capcom. I really liked Nintendo. There was a lot of great stuff on Nintendo. I thought the Super NES was, I mean, Super NES, even though, in hindsight, I loved the Genesis, but at the time, Super NES was fantastic. But Nintendo's got to be looking at this and they're like, you know, if they play their cards right, this proves that when they put other franchises on the smartphone devices and if they do them right and don't put out junk, that's going to be big money. I think it's scary, though. I mean, especially I think it's scary for Nintendo because at what point does, like, their hardware become irrelevant? I know, and I feel bad for that because I really want to see another good handheld out of them. Because, I, I mean, know. like, I mean, like, it's, you know, part of you wonders, I mean, it's a, it's a weird case here because Niantic is the one who's making the game, and this is all based off of Ingress, which was their previous game, which didn't really catch on, you know, but, like, part of you wonders, like, are they always going to keep this game neutered to some, to some level? 
right so versus so the, the handheld will, uh, yeah, so counterpart. People will still buy the handheld versions of Pokemon. That's the other thing, and I don't want. And I know this is a different experience with Pokemon Go. From you know, from what I can tell, I don't know this firsthand. But that's the thing I was trying to tell people. Like, this isn't even. This isn't even a full blown Pokemon. No. You know what I mean? Like, there was more to it than I expected with the Pokemon Go from what people were telling me. Because when I saw it, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm like, oh, the character models actually look look better than I expected. You know, it was high res. Um, there's a little bit more going on with, like, the whatever it is, the teams and the battles. But I'm like, a full-blown Pokemon game, you know, you've got towns, NPCs, you know. Uh, I mean, you know they could have taken this to an even further next level. And I'm like... I don't want to use the term that they're not even trying and they've got the success, but could you imagine if a full-blown, all their energy was put into it, new version of Pokemon came out? Well, I mean, I, mean, I, I, was, I, mean, I was shocked when I learned that you can't even fight player versus player in this game. I uh, See, I didn't even know that. Yeah. Well, then, what, well, let me ask you this, not to put you on the spot. Then why do you why what's all this stuff online like oh join this join v- team Valor or join this team and join this gym? Well, okay. What the hell are- so okay, so for example, across the street from our office building, there's a gym, and you can claim it for one of the three teams depending on which team you're on. <laughs> so okay. most of my coworkers are on the red team, whichever team that is, um, and they had gone over and fought the gym and claimed it and then somebody else would come along and claimed it back and then my coworkers went and battled for it again but you're battling I guess like the gym people or something okay. so you're not, you're not actually player versus player but it's like it's almost like territories like mm. there's real life places that become territories mm-hmm. and then you go and, the, and then those people have put their Pokemon onto that gym <laughs> so you have to fight those Pokemon this okay. is the best this is the best me explaining a game I never played this is, this is perfect <laughs> Um, you you fight the Pokemon in that gym, and then if you beat it, then you can take over the gym, and then you put your own Pokemon in there to help protect it for your team. Hmm. And then you get stuff, I guess? I'm jumping around on you with this, with, with this Pokemon topic because it's so fascinating. Aside from the game or the way it plays, because... The only reason I've personally given Pokemon a little bit more of a look than I ever did before within the last two years is because of when they redid the 3D graphics on the 3DS and they and they finally, after 20-something years, gave that damn game a, an upgrade, right? Right. I'm not saying a lot of the stuff was completely redone and stuff that people hadn't experienced with Pokemon, but it finally looked – it had like that anime look it, – it, it looked modernized, and I that was the first time I ever bought a Pokemon game. I think it was like Pokemon Y. Just I just wanted to see what it looked like. But um, uh, I, I just lost my train of thought. But the um, where was I headed with this? Um, what was the last thing you said? Um, Play, we both played a game we'd never played before. Over gyms, and you're talking about. Playing the game for the first time on 3DS, and it wasn't maybe you. It wasn't what you expected it to be, or maybe you didn't know what you were going to do in the game. Who? Well, I, I have know. an I have an excuse for listeners. I ju- I did conk my head <laughs> really hard about 36 hours ago. <laughs> the sad thing is, I'm not joking. <laughs> Short term memory loss on. Uh, oh, I know what I was going to say. So, 
so I was talking about the gameplay and all that. And you and I have our issues with the gameplay because of the generation of gaming we came from. And then by the time the mid-90s came with Pokemon, it introduced, like, um, I don't want to be disrespectful, but it was a bit easier. And, like, you know, it didn't have the same type of challenge of those, you know, one-hit-and-die games of yesteryear. It's just a whole new, it's the generation after us, right? Right. But the strength of Pokemon, don't you feel... Do you think it's just the characters? Like, people love the characters? Like, it's... Well, this is part of the problem for me, because, like, I I don't have that love for Pokemon, so I don't completely get it. But I think it is... I guess it's a combination of liking the actual Pokemon themselves, and... I don't know. That's the problem. It's like I, I mean, mean I when, as, when Pokemon is mentioned, and especially in the form it is right now, where it's opened up to, to and it's also on Droid, right? Uh yes. So it's pretty much open to quote everyone, but like, it just ignites that like. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's the nostalgia or kind of like the nostalgia you and I have for like the eight and sixteen bit days. Maybe that's what people are experiencing from their youth. You know, back to the Game Boy, Game Boy Color days, um, but it's it seems like it's kind of magical for those people. Yeah, and that good. That's a, that's part of the problem for me, and that's I can't explain why because I don't have that feeling, and so I don't know what it is that captures people about this game. Right. That I could. Ex- but you know, it's funny because I was thinking I was going to say this earlier is. Somebody in in talking about like the different things you could do with this is somebody was asking, okay, what other games could have this same formula and work? And somebody brought up like a Shin Megami Tensei game, and that suddenly for me makes sense, right? Like me going around looking for the different demons and then finding them and having to have conversations with them and trying to capture them stuff like that. Like that totally makes sense for me. So I think it's I think it's just that connection to the world and the characters and stuff like that whereas it could be the exact same game like 95 percent but if it was mega 10 instead of pokemon my interest levels would be like completely different right hmm well it's all in all it's uh it's been mind-blowing i just can't believe how it's it's literally like captive captivated everybody uh it's on pretty much it was on every news story um, it, you know, the workplace where my workplace couldn't be any further away from gaming than it is. Um, so I, I don't know what to say. It's Oh, you know what, though? Now that I think about it, one of the headlines I saw the other day, and I didn't click it. What's the deal with Japan not getting it yet? They no, they, they, they just got it. Well, uh, when did they get it? Like yesterday. Oh, okay. And what was the, there was some controversy with McDonald's leaking something or an ad or something got leaked? Well, yeah. I, I, so basically something came out early talking about the, the launch. And so they, they delayed it by a day or so for that. Oh. But it wasn't like delayed that much. But no, it's, it's, it's really funny because you're like, yeah, how did we get this to be before Japan got it? But you have to remember the fact that this is not a Japanese developed Pokemon game. Wow. This is a... Niantic, wherever they're based out of, that's it's their their development. So. Wow, wow, that's crazy. How about that? All those variables, not even a true uh, Pokemon game in its heart, and it still broke all records. So that's the question. I mean, though, is because you know Nintendo's first, and I mean, obviously they're not comparable, but Nintendo's first 
attempt at cell phone stuff was uh, what's it even called now? We we Tomo is that what it's called? Mitomo. Oh, Tomo. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean, look at how quickly that kind of just died. Right. right? Because yeah. the content wasn't there. That's and true. So it's going to be a question of how much content does Nintendo or or Pokemon Company need to allow to go into this game versus how much is too much in order to keep people interested in it. Because, I mean, you know, the whole hype right now, I think, is a lot of it is just going around and finding the actual Pokemon. Right. And they can always add more later, but at a certain point, like, is that still fun or, you know, so. Yeah, I completely agree on the Mitomo thing because it even had me hooked for two or three weeks. And then uh, I, just, I, I lasted like a week and that was yeah, yeah, that was it. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Yeah. Well, going from something that is a phenomenon to something that I feel unfortunately won't be a phenomenon. And that's the next installment in the King of Fighters series. Mm. <laughs> now, have you played this demo? Yes. Interesting. Yes, I have. Now, to, to be fair, I have not played demo, but I did play it at E3. I mean, here's the deal. What on this show? What I'm supposed to speak from the heart? And I'm supposed to be honest. <laughs> is that kind of the yeah? Is that kind of the thing here? I so, think that is our goal. Yes. <laughs> so look, I don't, I, I don't have an issue. Kind of the Pokemon, you know. I don't, you know, I'm not going to water it down. I didn't like it. Hmm. I didn't like the uh, I didn't like the CG art. I didn't like the in-game animation. I felt the hit effects and everything looked cheap. Um, the, I I really don't have anything nice to say about it. As a matter of fact, the game King of Fighters 14 is really like King of Fighters Maximum Impact. Three or whatever. I mean, that's that's what it really is. This is a this is a King of This is a King of Fighters Maximum Impact title with maybe some soup. Now, I can't say the game plays like crap. I can't say that. If I get a little bit more technical, we'll use Kyo as an example. When he does like his run, like the the uh, I don't know what it's called. It's the um, he does like the two hop kicks. It's not his special with the flames or the dragon right. punch with flames. But one of his right. other special maneuvers. When you look at the animation on it, it's real like limited. Like it's fast, but you can tell there's only a couple frames there. Okay, but okay, but, but, but okay, go ahead. But, but when I saw it, it brought back memories of King of Fighters '95. That's what they ask you is because I I th- the problem and I I. This was also a little bit of a problem, I feel like, maybe when Guilty Gear, the new one, was first revealed, is that people were instantly expecting a lot more frames of animation, whereas maybe they're trying to have it more that old-school feel. But here's the the problem here, and I'm not trying to be a, a contrarian or naysayer. Here's the issue here. For how I feel, and it could be one dimensional, and I might not know what I'm talking about. It just doesn't translate the same for me versus the 2D sprite using that same animation on the 3D model, whereas in Guilty sure. Gear, on Guilty Gear, it's not as, quote, bad. And this, I know people are sick of hearing me say it, and 
kiss that game's ass. But the visuals make the all the difference in the world with those two games. Yes. And and I I think you're on to something definitely when you say like you know, there was a different appreciation we had for those old school sprite visuals. Yeah, totally forget yeah, no or, issue with that right. at the time. Whereas these days when you do have 3D models and you knew that you know they can do way more cheaper, it's kind of like, yeah, why are they not giving us more? Like like animation and this kind of stuff. I'll repeat a quote that I said several shows ago and I still stand by it to, so people know that I'm not just a graphics technical whore and how I do appreciate good gameplay and visuals don't have to have the greatest and most high-res textures. I'll say it again. You know, if this game had a certain type of, a different type of art direction, one that was more to akin to like a toll ball number two of its time, but whatever that would be for today, you know, I'd be all for it. You know what I mean? If you had that, yeah. like, if there was a trade-off in terms of like smooth gameplay, or it's doing something else, where, where the, and here's the other thing. You remember that internet meme that was floating around maybe a year ago, maybe as many as sixteen, eighteen months ago. That kind of bad joke going around about how it was kind of a D three title. Yes, yes. Or the simple, simple twenty three hundred series. Yes. I'm not just saying this to be funny. It really feels like the, like. If they said that company took it over and was helping SNK put this out there, I'd never question it. Yeah, I, so the, I, it's funny because when it was first revealed, I'm like, oh my god, these visuals are horrible. And over time, I kind of eased up on it and got right. to like them more. Right. But then when I actually saw it in person, like I went back to saying, wow, these are pretty bad. I, uh, I agree. Uh, I was real harsh on it. And the more I saw looking at like their daily King of Fighters 14 shots of the day... Um, I was like, you know what? This could turn out okay. And then I played it, and I think it just comes down to some of those shots were just really good or, like, picking the right spot. But when you play it, I, I, I canceled my pre-order. But now, now, to be fair, though, to be fair here, SNK themselves have said, look, we, we know the visuals aren't great. You know, we don't have... We have very, very little experience with, with 3D visuals. This is us trying to get things started and learn what we're doing and have a, uh, you know, a, a base to work from, especially the fact that we're having to make you know, 50-some characters. So I think on that level, you know, I, I can forgive them. Like, I think if the next game still looks like this, that's why I have a problem. I'm going to go out on a limb. There's not going to be a next game. You don't think so? No. Mm. Or if there is, they're gonna have to change. They're gonna either backpedal on something, or redo the look again, or go back to two D or license something big. Something major is gonna have to change, in my opinion. Unless, unless SNK and I, I consider myself a loyal SNK fan, but unless their current fan base is as hardcore as like the Nipponichi or Exceed loyalists, if okay, then because I I think the thing it's like. You can look at Capcom, and I mean, I'm not one of these people, but you can see people who, for Capcom, like, they're just so mad at the company because they feel like they've been burned and lied to and stuff like that. Like, I feel like you don't have that for SNK. I think SNK fans are like, look, we know this company's struggled. We know they've been trying to do their best. You know, King of Fighters, 12 and 13, okay, 12, some fans weren't happy about the lack of characters in it. 
but I think most people still kind of understood. And I think 13 was decently received. You know, I feel I, like we, yeah, I'll keep going, I'm sorry. I think the biggest complaint people have had has been the online networking, you know, mm. and people always just assume the network, the net code's going to be trash. But I think beyond that, I feel like most fans still have a very positive opinion about SNK. Mm. So I, I think fans are seeing this as a new attempt and a, an attempt to try to bring this game like to back to some you know notoriety. And so I think fans are willing to be there and help them try that. But I think they have to next game show market improvements. But I mean, even look online too, and you'll see like a lot of SNK fans that are like, you know, it's not how the game looks; it's how it plays. They're, they're, that's that is that's just. So. They're tell. You want me to speak from the heart again? Sure. They're telling themselves that. <laughs> they keep telling themselves that. Keep telling yourself that, and and when you sit down and you look at something like guilty gear or here's the thing let's take let's take guilty gear out of it everyone's sick of hearing me talk about guilty Gear, and let's take street fighter 5 out of it let's go back a couple years you look at blaze blue you even though they did 800 they shot themselves in the foot they did 75 versions of it right but look at blaze blue look at persona 4 uh ultimax i mean even some of those other crazy 2D fight, uh, I didn't with the Dengenki Buko fighting climax and all that stuff. I mean, they're not top tier, but I mean, just I mean, throw a damn dart and pick one. And it's just I, when I played that King of Fighters 14 demo, and this is on me, not them. The whole time I'm playing it, and I'm and I'm kind of embarrassed. I couldn't stop thinking about how cheap it looked. Like it yeah. was all that was on my mind. I couldn't even I couldn't even enjoy what was there because the whole time I'm saying to myself, "What is going on?" And then after playing something as beautiful as King of Fighters 13, I felt like we went like we took a time capsule somehow and went back and ruined things. But I mean, think. But now, to be fair, this is going to sound crazy. Um, it it is possible that SNK could get to a Guilty Gear level visually. <laughs> It's not cheap, but they could take those exact models they've currently made, do more filtering, put more detail on them, and end up with something much closer to that for the next game. Let me ask you this. I'm gonna I'm gonna bite. Okay. Let's say this sells well and they profit and then they've got enough money to upgrade the engine and do a sequel with the profits. Do you think the Mr. Businessman at the top with those profits is going to take that money and want to turn that into another risk on more money on development or kind of run with that ball with some of the extra cash and try to get away with another sequel that's maybe slightly tweaked and sit on some of the profit? To be fair, this is there's a lot of old school SNK people that are now back at SNK. But doesn't, but now doesn't China... Fund, yeah, okay. So Chinese chi- funding, I... I I mean, this game, let's be fair. If it was about profits, this game should not exist, period. Like, King of Fighters, you have a niche game and a niche genre. This game should not exist. So I, I do think this is a game coming out of a studio that legitimately loves this kind of stuff and does mm. want to make it for their, for their fans. And I mean, 
you, I feel you, like, I you feel mentioned like, the most like NIS earlier. Yeah. You have NIS, <laughs> Axis, you know, exceed all these other companies. I mean, the Japanese side, I should say, Marvelous and whoever. That they've they've made their money now off of making these games that cater to a core segment of people, where you can sell fifty thousand copies and be profitable. For example, you know, so. I, I think if you're going for that market, the market that you know for sure will buy it, and if you can make a game that will be profitable at that point, then you definitely do want to make things that people are going to buy. Can, can I be rude? Sure. If if this is SNK loving the King of Fighters <laughs> and doing it out of passion... <laughs> like I said... I'd I, really hate to see... If they didn't care about King of Fighters and were working on this project. <laughs> but now, I mean, you mentioned, you know, Maximum Impact. Like, were, like, how good were those uh, character models for the time? Oh, not, um, they were dated at the time. I, you know, I bought whatever one of the last, quote, limited sets was because I think this is during my game crazy days. So I think I got it real cheap, and I bought a new set, and I was looking at it because I'm like, I, I mean, you know me, and people know me by now. Like, I, I really like the 2D stuff, and uh, I stayed away from it because I'm like, this isn't King of Fighters. It's similar to what I'm saying right now with King of Fighters 14. Right. But it was a good deal, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give it a shot because the reviews weren't too bad. So here's another example. Okay. The reviews, I think, were pretty good. I can't remember if 2 was the last one they did. I don't have it in front of me. Uh, but in, yeah, I'm because I, I feel like there's one that was like a different. Yeah, they changed the name. Number. Yeah, it didn't have a number. Right. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Whatever that one is, I believe that's the one I bought. And I remember I brought it home, and honestly, my feelings are very similar to what I'm saying right now with King of Fighters 14. Like people didn't hate on it; they felt it was okay. And I think I maybe played it twice. And, like, I, I just had it for collection purposes. And I wasn't too upset because I didn't spend a whole lot. But I felt like for myself, I was like, yeah, this is kind of what. Yeah, I, this is this is what I think the real question is for hard, for fighting game. I'll pose this to fighting game fans out there. Are the Maximum Impact series and the upcoming King of Fighters 14 on a similar level better or worse than Street Fighter EX? Hmm. I feel like I feel like the Maximum Impact games and this one are like uh, I see, feel like it's in that it's in that zone like of what see, I, okay I feel like Maximum Impact was definitely an EX level kind of game I think 14 <laughs> is trying to be the more mainline part of this mm. series right. I think it's I think it's just you know I think it's them they don't know how to do 3D, you know? I don't think they do. So I think they're trying to learn how to do 3D. And it's just going to take a, a game or two. I mean, because supposedly, you know, they're thinking about doing a new Fatal Fury next. You know, I think they're talking about a... I, don't uh, scare me. A Sam show. Oh, yeah. So, mm. you know, this could be King of Fighters. By the time they come around King of Fighter 15... They might have a lot more experience under their belt and be ready to do much better character designs. And at the same time, I say this having played, what was that 3D, that god-awful 3D Sam show that came out a handful of years ago? Well, there was Samurai Showdown 64. The one, no, the one on the three, Xbox 360. Oh, God, I forgot about that, and I did play that. It was oh horrible. My God. I, 
You know, the only nice thing I have to say about that, the character select screen art, I remember being pretty darn good. Yeah. And wasn't there someone involved from, was it Raruni Kinchin doing the art? Sam Rashad on Sen, that's what it was. Yes. Or Edge of Destiny over here. Yeah, and it was kind of interesting because I'm not trying to stick. I'm not trying to stick up for this game, by the way. I'm just talking about the pure art, like the two two D art. It was interesting because when I saw it, I'm like, you know, I could see this working. Like, how do I put this? If two D was still around and like Samurai Showdown came out again, and like you know they did it in two D sprites and they had the money to really flesh it out. Like some of the characters I saw in there, and I'm like, oh yeah. I'm like, this is like modern day. Like, this is right. the modern day stuff you would have seen. Like, there was like your like Afro samurai type dude in there, and like there were other anime tropes. Like, but it kind of fit. But then obviously, as you know, then once we got to the actual game itself, you know, I yep. could, I could give two shits. Yep. They, sh- they should have just made it a card playing game. <laughs> Hey, I'll, you know, another another good <laughs> card fighters clash. I would love that. I would too. Did you ever buy the one on DS with the glitch? I I, I bought it and then I got the fixed version, but I've never actually played it. So. Yeah. <laughs> I loved the first one. Yeah, those are those were uh, good. I was hoping they'd show up on uh, virtual console one. Day. I've been saying that the entire time. Like, why is there yeah. no Neo Geo pockets up on there? <laughs> like, or why did there? Why didn't SNK never do a a like compilation release on DS? Right. Like, why did that never come? Yeah. Speaking of this, since we're on the topic of SNK, well, another thing here. Uh, Mark of the Wolves coming out in August. If you're living under a rock, it's going to hit PS4 and Vita, so we'll throw that out yep. there. That I will yep. buy. Yeah, yeah. And um, did you see quietly on the PlayStation 4, the PlayStation Network store, that they released the Metal Slug Anthology PS2 version, I believe, for 20 bucks on PS4? Yes. Yeah, I caught that. Looking, I yeah, that came out quietly. It was it was PS4, right? Y- yes, yes. Yeah, it's yep. funny because the Metal Slug Three came out as a solo release. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yep. then they did this uh, the, the compilation. Yeah. Uh, the, ra- wrapping up the SNK news, you know, all is not lost though for for me because you know one of the things I always look forward to with King of Fighters is. Uh, my yeah and while i won't be here experiencing her anymore beyond the king of fighters 14 demo i will be getting a pretty good look looking version of my in dead or dead or alive 5 last round now what do you think of her face because i'm not i'm i'm torn on her face uh from what i saw i mean my answer is you know it just looks like it's look looks like what they do at Team Ninja. I mean, I'm not saying it's bad. Yeah, it it looks it looks it, very like. I don't want to say. Go what's ahead. that? No, go ahead. I don't want to say it's like generic as in generic bad, but I always feel like with some like with some of their character models, like they just all have that. Like, there's no imperfection. Like, there's no, like they don't put like really put like battle scars or like other feet. You know what I'm trying to say? Like. They all have that doll doll look. Yeah, I said I because I, I I love the character Mai, I absolutely do. Um, but she just looks kind of. I mean, she looks good, but she also looks just like she's like if you if you took her 
and I don't mean this in the sexy way, if you took her out of that outfit, like, would would I know that that was my Shiranui? You know? I, know, I know exactly what you're saying. That's my kind of feeling. I, I know exactly what you're saying. And that kind of comes back to, like, the art direction and kind of what I was saying. Like, there's, there's not, a, like, there's certain characteristics or things that they don't put at times with their characters that, you know, makes that, to answer that question, difficult. You know? Right. I mean, I, I love their character models much more now than when, you know, Idaraki was there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was going to give you a weird... Wait, uh, not Idaraki, Itagaki. Yeah, Itagaki, That's yeah. what I meant, yes. For, uh, but, you know, it, yeah, I don't know. I'm curious. I'm curious. Like, for example, if he took Sagat out of his clothes... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I would instantly know. <laughs> But I mean, this question though, is like, okay, it's like, you know, Chun-Li, right? If she didn't have her outfit, would you know she's Chun-Li? I feel like there's enough recognition to her face usually that you would know it's Chun-Li. Right. But I think part of the problem too is I think Capcom's been better about um, being consistent in how their characters look. I know people are going to then say, what about Ken looking in Street Fighter V? <laughs> but I think art-wise, I think Capcom's been a little more consistent than SNK has. Mm. Because somebody posted a good, great picture of, like, my art over the years, and she looked very different in a lot of pictures. Oh, So right. that, is, that, is, that is a fair statement to make, but I still think it's like, there's... I guess I think all of the did alive characters, though. Like, how many of them would you really recognize, you know... I can recognize a few. Yeah, I, I agree. I yeah, there's some a few are, like, that... super generic. <clears throat> right. Hmm. Hmm. Speaking of good-looking characters, though, uh, on the 26th of July, the Judy download. Now, what is that? For, for Street Fighter V. Oh, 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 yes, yes, yes. I am actually really, like, it's funny because I was not super hyped on her in Street, yeah. in, in Street Fighter Four. I agree. But, like, something about how they've, like, changed her look in this game, I am really wanting to play her now. Yeah, she looks badass, and the outfit almost looks like it has, like, a rubber uh, type of look to it. Yeah, she looks a little SME at this point. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. Uh, no, she, she's really interesting. Um, you know, I mean, I main Karim, uh, but, like, I just have had such a horrible time lately playing her, so I'm, mm. I'm kind of curious to try other characters and see what I think. Yeah, and And she is now... As much as people have bitched about Capcom, she is actually ahead of schedule because <laughs> uh, the, the the second three characters were supposed to be out, I believe, July, August, September. Okay. And with her coming in July, sh- there's only one character left to come next month. That's Urian? Yep. Mm. Mm. I'm assuming shortly thereafter on that, they're probably going to announce, I bet you, another half dozen characters or something. And try I to get would think... Capcom yeah. Cup. I don't think they're going to be done for a while. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, there's, I've seen people who are like, there's like, I mean, no season two. And like, that's total BS. Oh, bo- that is such. Yeah. Please. Well, uh, maybe we, if we get, maybe there's going to be no season five. Um, but, but I would say Capcom Cup is where we, where we see our first announcement for a character. Yeah, I oh, I, I would be shocked if they don't do at least two more seasons. Maybe maybe TGS. Um, yeah. No, I, I I do not think that Capcom's going to drop this game as quickly as people seem to want no to way. think that they're going to. So. No way. Uh, what yeah. the hell are they going to do if they did? Like You know what I mean? Yeah. No, there, there's no way. And plus with the turnout at Evo or whatever, you know. Yeah, no, it's, it's people are just being dumb. There's no way. 
So uh, we've actually gotten through a pretty good chunk of stuff of hot topics, so to speak. Um, Do we have the uh, NES on here? Uh, no, you're more than welcome to open that can of worms. You can speak first if you like on it. Well, it's it's a uh, this is like a total hipster thing, which <laughs> bugs me, but I know I'm going to get it. So Nintendo announced that they're going to sort of re-release the NES. Right. Um, it looks just like the NES we had here in America, but it's about one fourth the size. It's very tiny. Yeah, and it's going to plug into your TV, and it's got a collection of 30 games on it, um, and it's going to also be able to use... Um, well, so it has it has controllers that look like the original NES controllers, but they aren't, because they're actually the plug that they use for plugging things into the Wiimote, so like your classic controller on your Wii, Right. It has that same little plug, which is interesting because that's made some people wonder if maybe this NES, I mean, not just for that reason, but, um, you know, the question is, like, what is, what is this? Like, how are they playing these games? And one of the, the, the lines of thinking is, what if this is just basically a mini Wii? Because, no. Well, no, because the, the Wii had the best... Uh, NES emulation better than 3DS or better than Wii U does uh, at this point if you take out everything but the actual processing things like the graphics and processing like you don't need any kind of disk drive you don't need any kind of, of wireless anything you don't need you know extra stuff like that if you just have the the main chips and stuff at this point like how much does that really cost you Hmm. You're not including any controllers, like any Wiimotes with it. You're not including a sensor bar with it. So it it could, in theory, be uh, just the Wii hardware, like putting this little machine. I'll play along. So let's say it is. They went through all that trouble just for the 30 games that are packed into it, and they're not going to add anything to it? Yes. Because this is a novelty product. Hmm. And if you've seen, I mean, there's plenty of these things. Like, it was just announced... I don't know the company who does it, like ATC or ATS or something like that. Uh, the one that did that, like Genesis re-release, where they made their own version of the Genesis, and it had like eighty games built into it. Um, they're doing that again. Who who is the whoever that company is? I said I don't know if it's ATS or yeah ATC yeah yeah. Or and what are like they, that. and they're doing what now? So they released uh, they previously released their own Genesis. Yeah, that I remember. Yeah, and I played. They had, that. Like, the, had the cartridge slot. It could play the old cartridges, but then it also had 80 games built in. Yes. Uh, they're re-releasing that with like an updated list of games or, or something like oh, that. Oh, God. Uh, so so very soon in our stores, we will have NES more, and Genesis on store shelves. A.K.A. more junk. Um, but so, I mean, these kind of things are popular, you know, where you just like buy some little device, you plug it into your TV, and you have a bunch of games very easily to play. So this is coming November 11th for $60. And here is the list of games games uh is this all 30 well let's go through and see so i already know the one i'm not going to spoil it i already know the one in my opinion that will get some of the hardcore or people not really interested to buy this thing okay so we have super mario brothers of course uh mario brothers 2 and 3 the legend of zelda donkey kong Mm -hmm. metroid Mm -hmm. kirby's adventure dr mario punch out featuring mr dream we can't have the old school one anymore. 
Balloon Fight, Donkey Kong Jr., Zelda 2, Excitebike, Ice Climber, Kid Icarus, Mario Brothers, Star Tropics. Bingo. So that's one of the 19, 19, 19, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, Ninja Gaiden, Pac-Man, and then the two controversial picks. Uh, we get Tecmo Bowl instead of Super Tecmo Bowl, which I think is also on NES, wasn't it? I didn't. Oof. Asking the wrong person on that. Let me see. Super Tecmo Bowl. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the one people like thought that we should add into this game. Okay. And then the one I'm kind of like mm, about, uh, we get Super C instead of mm. Contra. Mm. Mm. So, well, uh, yeah, uh, you keep going. You know, there's obviously. I mean, if you're talking like this, isn't a hard. It's it's a, this is a weird. This is a weird system because on one hand, it's kind of more casual friendly. On the other hand, there is some hardcore choices. Like Star Tropics is hardcore. I think, I think Final Fantasy at this point, like the original Final Fantasy, that's a pretty hardcore pick. You have to have Mega Man Two, which that's that's you know a very hardcore choice because you're picking the you know the kind of fan favorite game. Um, but there's no like there's no Castlevania Three, there's no Metal Gear. <laughs> you know some of the other like really big games are missing. Right. Uh, and so the thing Anthony was talking about is the fact that this is it like when you get it that's the game you have and that's it you know now the question becomes are people going to be able to hack it and put more games on there because this i mean it looks like the nes but it's tiny and the cartridge slot is completely like sealed shut because there is no cartridge slot so unlike that kind of genesis product this you cannot plug your own games into this is you get those 30 games, and that's what you got. I think this is going to get more casuals than the hardcore. But see, I, I think it's going to be both. Because, I mean, he, like, here's the I'm, thing. If, I, if I'm playing Mr. Nintendo again and I'm, I'm the president, if we only had to worry about the hardcores on this, let's say, okay, let's say my job was to, I got to get people like you and me, okay? And I don't have to worry about, everyone else coming into the store the John Doe and Jane Doe I would have probably made the decision to possi- to release it as the the Famicom like that would have gotten someone like me to take a look at it mm. again if it were, uh, if we're only talking hardcore mm. if we're only even though it doesn't really seem logical in terms of like what we had in the states but See, I t- completely disagree with you. Mm. Because, I mean, here's the thing. I'm buying this. Oh, no. 100% buying no. Absolutely. And that's what I'm saying. It's like, <laughs> I, I, think, I think this has more hardcore appeal than you realize, Anthony. I don't know what's wrong with me tonight. 
I, I absolutely, uh, yeah. I'm, I don't I'm, know if I'm, it's I'm, everyone else or if it's me. Because see, I'm buying the uh, <laughs> I'm buying the NES, and then I also didn't hate Batman vs Superman. So Anthony <laughs> thinks I'm crazy today. <laughs> but like, I I am 100 percent buying this because you know oh. what? For 60 bucks, I get this super blast of nostalgia. And I think you're going to have plenty of the people who are going to think the exact same thing. And even though it's only those 30 games, there's still something neat about having this little... I mean, I've literally... I literally have my actual NES in this house, in this in this apartment. I, I can play it whenever I want, and yet I want this too. Now, I know this is... I'm not trying to rain on this parade, and I know this does a little bit different things, and I know this is made for the TV sets and all that. So before I make my next bragging statement on a totally different device when this was first announced i will admit i clicked clicked it right away and i looked at the games packed in here's another one of my problems i want to say at least 20 if not 25 of those games i have on my 3ds yeah i i don't that was my other issue like i oh you know what river city ransom is also missing that should definitely have been on here. The only thing I can say on that, since we mentioned that title, I think this fall for 3DS, we're still supposed to see that River City Ransom Tokyo Rumble. Well, it's it's not River City Ransom, though. It's actually, that's a remake of, of the game that was Renegade here. I just confused myself. What format are we talking about? On 3DS, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's not... It's it's a River City game, but it's not River City Ransom. That is actually a reworking of the Kunio Kun game that was originally over here released as the game Renegade. Oh, really? Yes. I might have to take another look at that. Going into E3, I thought it was River City Ransom, but it's not. Yeah, really? It, it, so, it definitely so you're feels- saying this is going to harken back more to Renegade, what I remember well, about... It, it feels like a blend of River City Ransom and Renegade. Oh, no kidding. So it, it, it feels like if you like River City Ransom, like I would definitely think you're going to like this game. But it is it is not River City Ransom, just to be clear. Oh, I, I like Renegade. Yeah. Oh, okay. But anyway, the point being made. Yeah, but th- back to the topic, that's not on the one of the 30 pack-ins. Right. And, and, and the fact is, yes, when you buy this, you have no expansion of it. Um. But it's like I said, it's it's you know what it's a little novelty thing, and it also works through HDMI, which the we the original Wii never did. So it's a very very easy way to get these thirty NES games on your TV. But I do think a lot of us are going to buy it for novelty, and then a month later we'll be like, man, I really wish I could add more games to this. Right. You know, like like. I understand why they didn't. For anybody out there who's going to argue with me, I know why they didn't. But if this had like an SD card slot and Wi-Fi and I could go online and purchase new games for it, this would be amazing. Like like if they if Nintendo re-released things like this to then buy the games off of their virtual console to play on this, that would be utterly amazing. That would be interesting. Yes. That would be interesting. Now, let me ask you this, and I may have asked this in the past since we're on the topic of NES. If money weren't an object, even though pretty much everything comes down to money, if you didn't have to worry about money and you had the money to burn, would have you purchased one of those $500 analog NT NES units? 
uh, I don't know if I read that one because there was another one I saw. Was it the AES something like that? Oh, for the um, Neo Geo. No, 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 no. It's it's still NES based, but it's a new one coming out. Oh, really? That's not as expensive. Really? Uh, looks good. Yeah, it looks good. But yeah, no. If I had money to burn, I would. I would. It's okay. It's weird because on one hand, I want to say yes, but there's something like if I'm going back and playing the actual cartridges, right? It feels weird to me to not play them on the original systems. Yeah. Like I don't know why, but there's just right. something weird internally that's like. I'm doing it wrong when I do that. <laughs> but, I mean, I would love to have one because, yeah, it's like it does proper upscaling and it's HDMI and all that kind of fun stuff. So. Right. What is that thing? I, th- I want to say it's like, I want to say it's AES. Um, let me see. NES, AES, or AVS, or somebody out there is like listening and yelling. Uh, it's Retro USB, the AVS. <clears throat> let me see here. And it looks, um, it's uh, retrousb.com. For anybody who wants to go look and have a little field trip here as you listen to the uh, podcast. But it kind of has a little bit of a similar look to like what the original um, NES looked like in a way. Hmm. So when you get there, it's confusing. Yeah. Uh, where, where... I'm trying to see a shot of the actual unit. I see all these... Uh, oh, uh, I think go, go up to... Let's see. There it says, keep up with ABS updates on Facebook or Twitter. Try that. And try... I'm, 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 I'm trying Facebook right now and see if that's working. I remember before that... Yeah, I'm not trying to find this. Oh, wow. This. Um, hmm. So it's got some, like, prototype pictures in their header, but then it has an actual photo. Where's just the actual photo of this? Let me see if I do, let's see, retro, USB, NES, AVS. Let's do this and search Google Images and see if this works. Because I want to find a way for people to actually see this more. Yeah, so if you do um, retro, USB, NES, AVS, then you should see the first kind of grouping of pictures. There's one that says, like, introducing the AVS from retro, USB. And there's one of a picture of it on the table. So it kind of has this like retro old school style thing. And like you lift the lid up and kind of like slide the cartridge in. Yeah. So like I think this is actually kind of cool. And and I'm trying to remember how much this actually is going to cost. But I don't know. I don't think it's come out yet. I think they're still working on it. Hmm. PS launch series. Yeah, I wish I had more information, but I just remember, like, offhand, I was looking at this the other day. So, I, this is nowhere near, I think, the price of the the other one was. Yeah, it looks interesting. But it does kind of the same thing. You so. like it? Like I said, well, I, well, you, I, I know you just got done saying you'd like to play it on the original. Yeah, but I mean, like, I, I do kind of feel like it might be good to, at some point be able to god they have just the worst website ever like i do not know i know it's 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 oddball i'm looking it's uh, just horrible yeah um, it is because they have no like they have no here's this product go look at this product kind of thing uh but 
I mean, part of my, like right okay, now. Okay, this one site, and I don't know if this is still accurate, as of May 2016, I believe it's going to be about 185 bucks. Yeah, so much more reason. Yeah, I think that's about what I saw before when I was looking. Hmm. So, like, right now, like, I really, really, really want to go back and play Genesis games. And want to have my Genesis working. But I also would love to have it be able to plug into a HDMI TV, you know, an upscale. So, what I would absolutely love is somehow maybe to get my old school Genesis modded to be able to do that kind of stuff. So It would be kind of cool to see. Well, you know, that's something else I don't need to get into. And that's just another money suck. But (laughs) it would be interesting... If someone made a really nice looking Genesis like Sega CD 32x 32x combo, you know what I mean, and made it look really attractive. No, I would love for somebody to go back and like, yeah, I was I was thinking that like I would love to see like a um, like a old school Sega console where it could play, you know, Master System Genesis 32x Sega CD, and also also have the option to like download all those RAMs. ROMs legally, right? You know, I. You know what I think would get me is may maybe if someone did a PC Engine slash PC Engine a Turbo CD. Hmm. I would think about it. I would think about that one. The Genesis one would have me interested as well, possibly. But I would. The only reason I think I would consider the PC Engine one is because there's a couple hardcore sites that do those, like, really high-end um, re-releases. Yeah. That's the that's why I'd probably consider that, but it's probably at the same time good that they haven't done that. One of my favorite consoles visually of all time is the Duo R. Yes, I, and I like that one, too. I've never that's the owned white one. one. Is it the white yeah. one? The, yeah, I like never that Never owned too. one. I've, yep. my entire life, I've wanted one of those. So if anybody out there has one and wants to send it to me, you are more than welcome, and I will love you forever. I'll raise my hand. Me too. But, you know, I'll tell you what, just so you know I'm not uh, full of shit. You know, I really enjoy Luke Morse's stuff on uh, YouTube, and I'm friends with him on Facebook. I've only interacted with him a couple times. Very nice guy. But he's been doing videos on YouTube for like a decade now. And anyway, every once in a while, and he lives in Japan, every once in a while he, he buys a ton of stuff, and then he sells off some stuff to thin some stuff out and then he starts it back up again or does his projects i'd say within the last six months he had the duo r up and i gotta tell you i it was just one of those dumb moments where i was like i thought about it and then i said to myself what the hell am i doing but that was the first time of all the stuff that he's put up there that i'm like you know what this is like an opportunity to get one and i know it's going to work well because he repairs them and fixes them but i shut the browser and and look to be clear, I, I know what they cost, so I'm not expecting anybody to actually send me one. How much? How much are they going for? I, I think they're I think they're pretty penny at this point. I mean, really? I, think they're couple, I think they're a couple hundred at least. Um, yeah. I think I'm not positive, but that's mm-hmm. that is. If you want to talk about like the, the the my my short list of things I really regret never having bought or owned, and things I've personally deeply wanted to own my entire life, like. I have wanted to own legitimately a Duo R for like 20 years now. Yeah, I'm with you on that. With the Duo R, because they've done so many variations of that console, can you add on like the extra memory in the arcade card and all that if necessary? I'm tr- I mean, uh, you obviously can because it has the, the card slot, but I'm trying to think of, I don't remember what system version it has inside of it. Mm. 
and I, because I, I mean, and the part of this shame too is like I had a gigantic Turbo collection that I no longer have. Right. And I, I had the full Turbo graphics and CD, and then also the, the uh, Turbo Duo, and the full slated controllers for both and everything. Um, and, and I remember that the original Turbo do Turbo graphics could only couldn't take. I don't think it could take the arcade card. It could take the standard system card and maybe the next level, but then like the duo didn't need the original system card, but then did need the next level. I think it's it's kind of confusing. I, I can't remember like which yeah, one. Yeah, it, it is convoluted. Yeah. Speaking of this, uh, did you ever want uh, for novelty the PC effects? Not really. Um, yeah. That was at a point. I'm trying to. Th- I'm trying to think because I feel like that was right before I went to work at Game Fan. That's probably about right. I, I remember when that thing was first shown. I wanted that thing so bad. Yeah, and then I kind of got the Game Fan. I think. I think like I think Nick Rocks had one. Yeah, I think you're right because I think I don't know if it was on a Twitter feed, something a while ago. Where I asked him, and I think he got one like. Right I mean, it away. was it was really neat, and it was like a, a like a real curiosity. But then, as soon as like I I got a chance to actually see it and know what it was and know what games it had, you know, now the super graphics. Like I always wanted the super graphics. Oh, the, yeah, 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 yeah. But then, I mean, like always, meaning like for the year and a half that it seemed amazing, and then it had no <laughs> games. So, speaking of Mister Nick Rocks, we'll throw this in there real quick for those that follow his Twitter. Uh, it's an interesting tweet he had recently, and it uh, fits in with what we're talking about. Earlier, we were talking about the NES. I was, I was really surprised. According to his personal favorite NES games list, I believe his favorite game was Mega Man Two. Was that his personal list? Too, I thought that- I could have, unless I, I. I know he was translating lists from. Other yeah, yeah, so he he translated Camille's. Yeah. And then, like, I don't know when it was. A couple days later or whatever, he put up his list in Japanese. And I had a feeling that's what it was, but I had no clue. And then a couple, like, after that, he goes, oh, he said something like, since no one had mentioned anything, he's like, I put it in Japanese. He's like, here it is, translated his own picks. At least I believe that's what I read. And, yeah, his top pick was Mega Man 2. Uh, And I'm pretty confident. Yeah, his top 15, yeah. But you know what? I, um... I love Mega Man 2. <laughs> I love that game so much. I'm not, I'm not making fun of you. It's just the, the uh, just how you said it, like the. Well, I'm, yeah, because I'm, I'm reading his list at the same time. Um, like I'm trying to think. Like I would. Okay, so I would skip one of the games he has. The game I was about to say. Uh, one of my other absolute favorites is Guardian Legend. Like I uh, okay, um, yeah, I'm in there, and I like Mega Man as game. well. I'm just, I just, it is tough. There's so many games on NES, so to narrow yeah. it down, I'm totally with you on Guardian Legend. I rented that game back in the day, and that, that I love that game. You know, I was actually trying to put myself on the spot. I'm like, well, what the hell would I pick? As- okay, so okay, so so I was, I was thinking, okay, so Mega Man Two, Guardian Legend, um, Conquest of the Crystal Palace, Clash of Demon Head, uh, River City Ransom. Um. Oh God, I'm I'm like I'm seconds away from just going over and getting my box of NES games and seeing what I own. I can tell you a couple off the top of my head without putting them in the order. If I'm just shooting from yeah. the hip here, a couple games that I would put in there for myself: Bionic Commando. Oh yes, Bionic Commando is fantastic. Uh, Sunsoft's Batman. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Abs- yeah, for me, absolutely. Um, 
And then I would also put Guardian Legend on there as well. I remember spending a lot of time on that. Um, I probably put Mar- you know I I can't the only reason I can't put Mario three even though I would today like in hindsight is because I never owned it at the time because I just, it's I was a kid but you know I'd probably put the original Mario Brothers on there. Metroid, I mean Metroid's always gonna be a classic. Yeah, but, Metroid was great. Yeah. Um, oh man. Metal Gear, I mean, Metal Gear, you have yes, to put on there. Yes, yes, yeah. Because that, so, that. that was just so different and new for the yes, time. Yes, definitely. Yeah. <sighs> this is going to bug me because I know there's a couple other like games I just absolutely love and I can't think of offhand. I remember renting a lot of weird shit on that system, though, too. Like, not obviously not all great stuff, but I remember playing everything from, like, Eight Eyes to Abadox to, oh, uh, Trojan. Yeah, I enjoyed Trojan. I, Trojan at the time. I liked in a, in a weird way. Um, there was like uh, Zexies or something like that. I really liked it, at the time. I, I, I loved Legend of Kage for some I reason. I never, I never played it on it. I never played it on it. Yeah. Um, there was of course you know tons of great Konami games. There's like uh, Goonies two and Castlevanias and Russian Attack. Yes. I'm looking at a picture here of like some of the games. There Did were. you? I also liked. Um, Did you ever play Zanak? Yeah, I was never a big Zanak fan. Yeah. This Guardian Legend. Uh, do 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 I did like Excite Bike. It wasn't like I mean I wouldn't put it on my list, but it, right. Um, I'm looking to see uh, Section Z. I really liked. Yeah. Uh, the Wizards and Warriors games were always really weird to me for some reason. Like they felt just bizarre. <laughs> I never knew. Is this like repeating or what's going on here? Um, oh, uh, I really like the NES version of Alien Syndrome. You know, I think I actually, I think I have. Well, I don't know. I could be, I could be telling myself that. That's that's one of the black uh, Tengen yeah. releases. Black you know, cartridge. I, I might be confusing it with the actual Master System version. I'm thinking of. There were some fun. Um, I mean, you know, uh, pro wrestling was always fun. Oh yeah. And Tecmo wrestling was actually kind of neat. What about for you, um, Athena? Oh God, don't even bring that game up. Like that—that that is like just that game haunts me to this day. <laughs> I still own it too, but I really? cannot. I tried it like about a year ago. I tried. I—I I think I actually bought it for like the 3DS or the Wii or something like that, and I just still couldn't get anywhere. No kidding. Yeah. Um. Mm. A Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Oh yeah, that's a it's big a great lot game. While well, I didn't play, a lot of people love Ducktales. Ducktales was a great game. Yep. Uh, Gradius and Life Force. Yep. Um, yeah, there's like a ton of like I've yeah. said. I'd have to go through in my collection and see like other ones that I would put on my like for sure list of things I loved. But it was but, a lot of good stuff. But like I said, it's I'm certainly not telling someone else how to feel or you know their memories or what they should pick as number one. I'm not that dumb. But I'm just. I'm just saying, like, Mega Man, like, th- there were so many games on NES and, like, that's such high praise. I think that's what I'm trying to say. The yeah. praise is so high that Mega Man 2 outdid all those other Nintendo classics for him and all, you know what I mean? Like, all those greats. And, and, and Mega Man 2 is considered a classic, and many people do feel it's the best one in the series. But to put that above all those other genres and games, that's, that's, I found it amazing. Well, I think I mean I think you can say that even more for like Guardian Legend. You know, I mean like Guardian Legend is just a weird pick for a lot of people, but 
it was something very special and just different and new and i think Mega Man 2 was just that like you know for some whatever reason all those elements just came together perfectly in that game you know whereas they didn't in necessarily the other games now guardian legend obviously it was the hybrid it was the shooter slash rpg of sorts yep from right, compile so. now uh, well and i didn't i didn't realize that i'm pretty sure um, it's compile yeah what was the game on Game Boy Advance that was also a hybrid shooter, uh, but it was side-scrolling, not vertical? And I think it had RPG elements towards the end, I think, of the GBA's lifespan. And I remember I was I was going to buy it. And I don't know if Namco published it, but then I don't think... Oh, 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 wait. Uh, uh, okay, you think Game Boy Advance, right? Yep. There was that Scourge game. Is that what because it was called? it's also released on DS. What's it called? I'm pretty sure it's Scourge. Yeah, Scourge Hive. Let's see. I own it. I've never actually played it, but I'm I'm pretty certain that's what you're talking about. I'm going to be honest with you. There's another one I'm talking about, but I'm looking at this right now. And... I think this is the one I'm thinking wow. of. Wow. I don't know... I don't I think, think that's. I, a, but I gotta I, tell you, I'm not. I'm not upset that you brought it up. Then what's? The, it was. What, I think it had like. Was it Sigma Star or? Uh, Sigma Star Story. Yeah, wait, something like wait. that. Guardian Legend. What's the game? It's like Guardian Legend on GBA. Um. Oh, I'm thinking of Sigma Star Saga, but I don't. Let me see. How nuts! Oh, and this got pretty good reviews. Also from some people. Okay, okay, actually, this is the game I was first thinking of, too. Yes. Sigma Star Saga? Yes. And then I got Scourge mixed in, because I think Scourge... I don't know why I was thinking Scourge, but I think there's something about Scourge that kind of feels a little bit similar in some way. But, yes, I do know this game. Did you buy Sigma Star? Um, no, I never played it. I really should one day go back and try it. Wow. I'm going to take a look at that other one, though. Yeah, I've got it on DS. I've never had a chance to actually sit down and, and fully play it. But yeah, interesting. But yeah, I figured that was uh, relevant. You know, that was interesting talking about all that, bringing it back to NES, but and then bringing it back around to our wish list for the uh, PC Engine Duo. I want, I want to, I want to duo R so bad. <laughs> it's, it's like it literally is one of the most just beautiful <clears throat> game system I think that's ever existed. <laughs> So, let's see what we got here. Before we get into uh, our final topics here, we're at the 90-minute mark of GVGP18. I want to thank the listeners for hanging in there uh, through the hot summer nights here. Uh, as we have now surpassed a two-year mark on GVGP, we're at about 25 months in. Uh, don't forget to check out the website at radio.morningproject.com. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. Search for Morning Radio. And on Twitter, you can find myself on Twitter at 24BitAJE, the number 2, the number 4, B-I-T-A-J-E. My one and only co-host, Molly. Uh, main feed at Molly Penn, that's M-O-L-L-I-P-E-N. There's the work feed, suddenly Molly, just how it sounds. And that time, Molly has an E at the end. Uh, also, EGM now. It's got to be, what, over a quarter century and still going? And started in 1989. That is unbelievable. And then we've also got 
Last, certainly not least, the one and only feed for Morning Radio and all the Morning Radio podcasts at Morn Radio, M-O-R-N-R-A-D-I-O. So, and we do have we do have email this week. Ooh, yeah. What do we got in the mailbag? Uh, are you ready for it? Yeah. So hopefully, it's hopefully it's high praise. We have one that's new and one that's old. So there is one that is a little bit old at this point, but since we missed it, I want to I want to read it anyway. Okay. Um, and this is so I just had it open. No, it's not opening. Let's see. This is from uh, Aaron from Breck, from Buckhorn. It says yes, it's a real place in Ontario. Oh wow. And he says, uh, hi, guys. Says, no offense to Anthony. This email is geared more for Molly. Okay. Uh, I don't have a Twitter and couldn't find her personal email. I hope this finds her regardless. Um, this is old. So uh, I just wanted to pass along some very sincere positive feedback. And please forgive me for the rant. I've had a lot of time to think on this and have started to have talked to several people about how I wanted to make sure you knew how important you are even just to one listener from rural Canada. Hang on. <laughs> I'm getting a call as I'm trying to read this. Oh, my God. Decline. Um, I've listened to you on G- GVGP, a uh, smart video game fan, and little niches for over two years. And over this time, you've emerged as my most trusted voice and opinion in the industry. That's horrible news. That's way too much pressure on me for you to say that. Uh, in large part, this is because your podcast, GVGP, being my favorite... Strikes me as a totally informed and safe space where I can listen to news, discussions, and opinions without feeling self-conscious or defensive. As a 31-year-old white man, I often feel like I'm the problem as such. Echoing your recent point on a boogeyman in the industry, this is just an intangible sense I have. Where I am wrong to enjoy Metal Gear or JRPG fan service as an example. Uh, Though violence in the industry is at an all-time high, every first-person shooter, Metal Gear Gears, etc., uh, your recent analysis on how the Street Fighter V controversy and then your comparison to Fatal Frame is absolutely bang on. I truly can't express how much I wished others had your perspective. Um, I thought this is, in a nutshell, articulates a huge point of women being represented in gaming and how context is everything, one being appropriate, one not. I do wonder how much a fear of offending people will continue to dictate behaviors among developers, especially large ones, and worry that many games will lose their quote-unquote soul or character in some way to make them more acceptable to the masses. Uh, Thank you for so much for what you do and represent. I feel in many ways like you're my champion expressing what I am unable to and presenting it perfectly. I'm sorry if this comes off a little strong. Gaming has been changing over the years and still a big part of my life. Uh, in the past, it was an important escape therapy when I was a kid dealing with family issues, not going into too much detail. But I have been struggling with aspects that you help put into perspective. Anthony, not to leave you out, you do great work too. You make me laugh and smile every episode, and your back and forth with Molly is always intelligent, respectful, and entertaining. I wish I could go on, but I don't want to come off as creepy or overwhelming, so I'll wrap up here with another simple but very genuine thank you for what you both do and how you do it. Already looking forward to the next episode. All the best, Aaron. So this wow. is old, and I'm sorry to have missed it previously, Aaron. Don't don't think that was on purpose. Um, but the reason I want to bring it up now, and I don't know that we'll get too much into it, but this has kind of been something that's been coming up again lately. Uh, for a variety of things, one of them being Street Fighter V, 
Uh, you know, so we talked about it being an Evo and on ESPN. And one of the things that came out of that was that, I don't know if you actually heard this, Anthony, is the uh, the player, I'm totally spacing his name, who was playing Ar- Ar- Armika, oh. had, had to switch the costume he was using. F- Fudo. Fudo. Who came in number two, Japanese player. And I actually yes. tweeted very, very inappropriate stuff that the, the very wonderful listener who wrote that in would be very disappointed if you read my tweets. So don't re- <laughs> do not repeat the tweets, my comments on that. So I'll clean it up for this show. But allegedly, they, he was fed information from ESPN that he was to change to the Armika alternate outfit. Now, I have to confess something here. I'm going to confess. Now, I watched all of the grand finals. And if you tested me right now and said, and the question was, what outfit was Armika wearing in the finals? My memory remembers it as her main outfit. It's funny because I really did not think about it much until, like, it was pointed out later. And then I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. She was using the other outfit. You have to refresh my memory then since we're on the topic. What was the alternate outfit again? So it's the one uh, she was – She was. It's which is the funniest thing. So they, they put her in the one where she has the underboob going on, which to me – to me, like, underboob feels more scandalous I than can't cleavage. Even, I can't even picture does. it. Yeah. Um, I'll see if I can talk and find it. Let's see. Because uh, the other, now the other one, and I'm not uh, trying to be inappropriate or gross, uh, the other one is known for showing more of her backside, right? Yeah. So this one showed, like, that's the thing. Is like, okay, was it was it too much rump going on there? Or, or was it, like, you know, uh, boobs? Like, I, there's, I mean, there's quite a bit of boobage i guess going on in, in her in her main outfit um but you know th- this is the channel that airs like women's beach volleyball well yeah right and i said so, right 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 you know uh where there's a lot of that going on god i'm trying to find a good shot um, i'm looking and, here right now and I'm, I'm actually finding other outfits i'm interested in. I, <laughs> I didn't find anything but this outfit. Um, and then people... Okay, here we go. I'll send this to you. And on Skype. And then people were also saying, but, you know, thank God Laura wasn't picked because they couldn't have shown <laughs> any of her outfits. Uh, so, you know, this doesn't directly connect. Um, but it does... It kind even, of does... I, did, I don't even remember yeah, seeing that. Yeah, this... Because uh, she has this outfit and then it's the one for everybody who can't see this. It's the one that looks kind of like then the alt outfit that Zangief has. Wow. Where it's like one leg is covered and, the, and then the alternate arm is covered and then the other arm and leg aren't covered. Um, but so this brought up some conversations in some places about uh, Street Fighter V's cast and their outfits. And, you know, we're currently getting the summer outfits, which um, the first of which was, was Karine's outfit, which I bought and I absolutely love. But because of those outfits and because of kind of the little bit of sexuality that's been going on in this game, like, there's been people saying, like, oh, they're just turning Street Fighter Five into Dead or Alive, you know, right. which first, no, okay? No, I mean, yeah. just, just, just plain no, <laughs> you know. Um, and, like, Street Fighter's always been a little sexy in some ways. And right. the thing you have to understand is we didn't realize this before because they were pixel sprites, you know? That's a good point. And there's that's only a good a, point. You know, there's only a certain level that you can go to on that. Uh, so once you take Armika from that sprite to her 3D model, you know, yes, they they did 
sexify it a little bit, if you want to call it that, but it's just the fact that I think more people didn't realize before. Um, and the thing I, I was I was getting into this argument with somebody, and I was saying, you know, like it's it's funny to me to criticize Street Fighter Five because this is a series that has given gaming some of its strongest female characters, you know. And okay, it's funny the fact that Cammy hates pants, you know. Like it's just it's hilarious that she for some reason hates pants and will never wear pants. But so many people know who Cammy is. And when you look at Cammy, you don't you say, okay, she is sexy because of the outfit, maybe, or or you know the fact that you're seeing her her derriere all the time, stuff like that. But I don't think I think of her as like a sex character, like you I, know, a right. sex sells character. Right. right. Uh, you know, Chun Li, you could talk about the fetishization, fetish, I can't even say it, the fetishing, fetishization, fetishization, fetishization of like her thighs, for example, <clears throat> right? Like that right. is super fetishized out there in the community, but that doesn't negate how strong of a character she is. Yeah. You have someone like Laura, who is super showy, and then the opposite is you have Karine whose main outfit is not only totally amazing, but completely covers her. Right. You know? So there has always been this balance, and the thing about alts is, yeah, sometimes they're going to get a little crazy and a little silly and a little showy, but that's that was like Street Fighter 4 as well. Street Fighter 4 did that, you know? And this isn't anything new, and this isn't some push to being dead or alive, and one of the arguments I was making was the fact that it's all context you know street fighter has always been a fun silly game and to be fair you have a character and i know they're not exact same argument but you have a character like zangief who's basically walking around in boots and underwear that is his entire outfit you know they're they're you know blanca look at look at urian yeah look at urian oh my god look at urian and look how many people are bitching about the fact that urian has a suit on now Instead of being his his dong or dong dong or whatever you want to call it, but Street Fighter Five's always had a balance, and I I do not feel like we're at a point where Street Fighter Five's balance is out of whack. And I think if you look at every character, like I put Kareen in in or Karen for you Westerners, um, I put her in that beach outfit, and. You and I love it. I love it. And you could say, "Oh my God, you're sexing this girl up," but you're really not. Like I don't know. Like I don't get that feeling. Like I don't think Kareen is harmed in any way by being in her her beachwear swimsuit. You know. Um, now, Fatal Frame for people who didn't hear and what uh, was brought up in the email from Aaron was. I was saying Fatal Frame was an example of a game where I did think the characters were hurt by sexing them up, by giving them, like, uh, bikini alls and stuff like that. Because that was a series that was was never about that kind of stuff and was trying to be more serious and more horror-focused. So I thought that was out of place. Just like, you know, we've got Rise of the Tomb Raider, if suddenly she's running around Siberia in, in, you know, shorty (laughs) shorts and a crop top... Like, that I'm going to have a big problem with, you know? And that's one of the reasons why I love the new Tomb Raiders, because they took her away from having these ridiculous, improper outfits to outfits that actually fit her situation. I I have to admit that, yeah, the new Lara Croft, I can't give enough praise enough. I still think it's a strong, very attractive character. 
but at the same time, it's, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's right on the money, and it's not a character where I ever think, like, wow, I wish they'd introduce an alternate where she's, you know, like, pretty much nude. I mean, that never crosses my mind. It's, that's got to be one of the best, most powerful examples of a female in the game, the modernized Laura. You know, the only sad thing about that right now is they've kind of hurt themselves with a little bit of their fan oh, yeah. base with that exclusivity. Yeah. But... But I think it's, I think the problem is, is that, and here's the thing, and, and here's the, you know, I think male gamers aren't the problem. I think the people blaming male gamers are the problem. I think those people think that male gamers think it's black or white when they don't, you know, like, just like you're saying right now, and, and I, I know enough to, about you to know this, is that you're, you are saying that you like the new Laura Croft, you like how serious she is and everything. But at the same time, I know you can appreciate a game like Dead or Alive for it being complete cheesecake. Sure. Uh, right? Sure. I, right. There's a certain – even I have my limits and my boundaries. Like there are times where I find certain things funny or where the sexy outfits or appeal, it has its place. And then there are games where it just takes it so over the top that I'm just like I, like I can't take it seriously or it's not accomplishing what it's really set out to do in their – you know, they're kind of ruining it for themselves. But yeah, I mean, Dead or Alive is great. And and it's, it, yeah, it's all context. That's the thing. And like I said, I, I think I think if you talk to most male gamers, like, okay, on some level they're going to be like, yeah, I'd love to see Laura Croft running around naked in Tomb Raider, right? But they don't really want to play that, you know? No. That's kind of like a mod you might throw into a game for fun just to have a silly time and... and you know, do that whenever. But I think most male gamers like do understand that context and do appreciate that that difference between when it's appropriate to be sexy and when it's not. And right. a game like Dead or Alive, I have zero problem with. I like Dead or Alive. I like how over the top and silly it is. You know, and I think that those games can exist. And I I think that you know something like Aaron has been made to feel like so ashamed of admitting he likes those games and that's been a big problem that's been going around you know and it's not like one side or the other of this big argument that i'm not going to name names on but um i think it's 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 like it's funny because it's like the people who always said that violent video games make us violent right that's not the case and also they were they were giving no uh, gray to the scale of what gaming violence is. Like, I think the people now bitching about representation or or you know female sex female representation or, or sexuality or whatever in gaming, like they're giving no gray to that. And some of the arguments I hear are are putting you know Dead or Alive and Street Fighter and Tomb Raider all in the exact same category for completely different things they do that those people are seeing as problems. So I, I think it's just like, I, I think for the most part, gamers and even male gamers are smart enough to understand gaming and what is and isn't appropriate. You know, it's just people from the outside, they see one example of somebody doing something wrong and blame the entire group or or shame the entire group for liking what they like. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I have 
I'm staying kind of quiet, but I, I feel like I'd just be repeating myself in terms of what I've said in the past. You know, the way my brain is wired and the way it works, um, I feel like, um, I, you know, I'm not a big fan of censorship in general. But at the same time, speaking out of both ends of my mouth, you know, there are certain things internet-wise or in life that I do have to admit, like, there's some bad stuff out there. And this is not on the topic of video games. So bringing, reeling it back into the video game topic, like, on one end, it's like, I don't want to point the finger at these other games because I'm not pointing the finger at them because I want them to be censored or, like, as brutal or brutal or graphic as they are. But just for comparison's sake, like... my mind, I can't wrap my brain around when they complain about things like the Armika outfit or the Kami outfit, and I get so upset because I'm like, how can you point the finger at that? And I've said this a million times, and I don't want this game to change. It, it's, you know, like look at a game like GTA like Five, or look at the new Mortal Kombat, or like, I know I always pick on those two, but it's like. Those games are so brutal and, like, graphic, and they do have sexual aspects to them. And and then then it's like, why are we complaining about things like Lucky Chloe from Tekken? Or, like, <laughs> or, like how do you... I, I mean, I could say it, because this isn't, like, me being fun. How do you go from a game where you can cut someone's guts open, demons come out and eat the remnants right there as a fatality... Or bash someone's face in and take a selfie, um, or you know, do inappropriate acts with a lady in a game and then shoot them thereafter. Like, am I am I the crazy one where I just I keep going back to square one and I'm like, well, you know, on one end I'm saying, you know, I don't want you to go out there and patch those games in because I wouldn't want the, their fans to get upset like the crap that I have to sit through for the games I like. Like how. It's not even in the same ballpark. Well, I think, okay, so I think you saying that touched on something for me, and I think that the answer is it's a complex question because um, let me give you the example of Mortal Kombat, right? Mortal Kombat is a super violent game, but I always, well, for a long time had a problem with how Sonya Blade was dressed because I thought for for who her character is supposed to be, I felt like they put her in a lot of very inappropriate outfits. R- Sonya? Yeah. I, I think I think for a long time. I think pre MK nine, like I generally hated her outfits. I I'm not really. I, yeah. I, I mean, when I think Sonya, I think of the long pants and like maybe the the shirt that shows a little midriff. But I feel like she was always like showing either a lot of midriff or a lot of cleavage or something like that. But mm. but so where I had a problem with Sonya's outfit, I am always fine with Melina's outfit because I think I, that... I, be, because because I think it fits the character. Mm. And that's my argument. I, I think that that we have to stop and use our brains and say, okay, this is not a gigantic brush we're painting the entire game with. Like, what is, what is right and wrong with each of these things? It's like the... You know, you have the one side that's kind of like, there's problems in gaming, we need to fix them. And the other side's like, shut up and play games. You know, like, just stop arguing about these problems and just have fun with games. Right. And the, the real truth is somewhere in between those two things. The fact that there are legitimate problems with games, 
but we also need to learn when to not let little things bother us that shouldn't bother us. So, you know, with my Mortal Kombat example, that's just saying that, like, I think the exact same game had two characters where I think the level of their their characterization was totally different and had different levels of appropriateness. Hmm. At the same time, at the same time that you could say, why are you bitching about a character's outfit in a game when the game is so bloody violent? Right. You know? So I think this the answer is it's complex and we have to come at these things like adults and treat them in adult ways, not like children who who can only take one side or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, our second email is a very short email. Uh, it's a very sad email, but really? uh, this is from uh, Forrest W. And he says, dear Anthony and Molly, uh, I don't want to take up your time. And this question is only loosely connected to GVGB at best, but I'd really appreciate at least a yes, no answer. Oh no, don't tell me. <laughs> don't even yes, tell me. Know, you know. Don't even tell me. Uh, will there be another oh. warning? A huge podcast. Oh boy! Unfortunately, the answer is I don't know. Because I I swore that I would only say no if I knew for certain it would never come, and I don't know that. Um, I, I think if you gave my two co-hosts a hundred bucks each, we might get a new episode. <laughs> You know people, honestly. Like some kind you, of bribe. I think if you, you know, warning listeners, there are a couple people out there that are going to do that. Or maybe like, you know, Pizza Hut gift cards or something. I don't know. But I feel like at this point, like, if, I, feel like I feel like if you bribe them, we might get we a go. new show. If you send me a like new Duo R and a CDZ Neo Geo, I'll make it happen. Wait, why are you getting this? <laughs> because. <laughs> I'm one of the co-hosts of Warning um, I can I can make the deal happen. How bad do the fans want it? No, actually, I take that back, and it's disrespectful. I mean, can you imagine the the flame, the disgusting things they'd say about me on the <laughs> Neo Gaff message board? I mean, uh, uh, seriously, I don't I don't need that. So I'm only uh, it, all you need to do is just send me a little animated GIF image on Twitter, and that's that'll suffice. But, um, um, I, I I would love to do another episode, and and I am always ready. It's just the the convincing needs to be made to my two co-hosts, and I would love nothing more than to do another show of that. So, because morning. so many things, so many things that we thought never would happen are happening, and it's so sad we can't talk about it. What do you mean? I mean, it's like games like like oh, Conception, oh, oh, Conception oh, oh. coming over here, and Doc on Ropa coming over here, and yeah. Criminal. Criminal girls coming over here, and like uh, Steins Gate coming over here, and all that kind of stuff. So I know for us, I know that's not the answer you want, um, but the hundred percent honest answer from my side is I don't know. So, I, hmm, I'm thinking here. I'm not. I'm not staying. So I'm thinking of my words. Um. You're not really a numbers person, huh? Like, you don't, like, I remember I asked you a long time ago, well before we did a podcast together when I was doing Double Plus Good Games. Like, we used to look at the numbers a lot. And there was a time, listeners, where Double Plus Good Games podcast was the hottest podcast on all of the internet. And, uh, actually, I'll, g- I'll give a nice little uh, plug here for Molly. At the time, <clears throat> between the 60 to 80 plus episodes we did over a five-year span... 
and I didn't, be- I did not believe this number at first because the the gentleman I who I'm still great friends with in life and worked with, Neil. Um, I don't want to say I didn't believe him, but like he'd give me some numbers sometime, and I'm like, you know, is he just trying to make me feel good, or, you know, is this what what's going on here? So I actually asked him, and I said, okay, I want to see. I want to go on the back end, and I want to see the number myself because I didn't believe it, and I don't know what. And I, and for those listening, I you know, <laughs> I highly doubt he was sitting there <laughs> continually hitting download. So, <laughs> and the episode we had with Molly, one of her first appearances, I think we had her on the show two, if not three times over. Uh, yeah, the good question. I don't know if it's, I, I, I want to say three initially, but it might be two. Yeah. And we, we had gotten cumulatively on that episode about 20,000 downloads. Wow. So I always wondered about warning. Now, to Double Plus Good Games credit, Every once in a while, we would do, um, oh, what do you call them? Like marketing pieces online. We do like a, a rollout or whatever. And every like once a quarter or twice a year, we get it out to certain outlets. This is the unfun stuff of podcasting or when you're trying to right. make it. This is the stuff that you don't want to think about because at, bo- at the end of the day, you want to know how to record and talk games and talk about the hobby in a passionate manner. But at the time, we were actually interviewing. We we had everyone on from official Xbox Magazine to Nolan Bushnell to Trip Hawkins to Game Fan alumni, uh, everyone from Casey Lowe to Molly. Um, the list actually kind of went on and on. We had voice actresses on, voice actors. But in my mind, I always felt warning a huge podcast stemming from Game Fan and Play. That if we were able to achieve those numbers at one point in time, they weren't always at that height. I'm not going to lie, due to sporadic recordings or just scheduling or whatever, depending on the guest. I felt the warning crew could have, like, it's so funny how it works out because I'm like, with their knowledge or their connections, um, knowing other, uh, knowing Japanese, which is like so much of the battle, being able to tell translation stories stories from yesteryear having actually been in the industry when stuff like game fan was really prominent traveling overseas and um i guess i'm speaking a little bit more from a fan and afar now even though i'm on the same damn website but i don't i don't know it's just crazy like i don't you know you, you learn in life there's different that like comes down to timing or different stages a person is in his or her life you know there's other sadly real you know uh, adult type factors that come into play yeah and you know when i look at warning so getting back around to my first question to you was like do you know what kind of numbers you guys did i i I never like I've been really bad about this, and I don't still to this day don't really know because I never had a good way of tracking like our podcasts. So I mean, at times I had a little bit of a rough idea of of like how many downloads we were getting, but that was only in the kind of early going. Um, so when we were really like up and running, I don't have numbers for for how we were doing. I think it's it's interesting is that I feel like. You know, if I'm going to brag about anything about warning, is the fact that 
we were the kind of show um, where I guess you know I so I have a friend who does a wrestling podcast and they have I mean like a five digit subscriber numbers you know um, but you tend to to only like they do like the reader mail on the show and you tend to kind of hear the same names over and over cause I yeah think, that's great um, yeah yeah for 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 most of them i think i think like 99 percent of people if if not like more just tend to kind of listen and that's it you know they don't interact they don't become part of the community or anything like that um i think one of the cool things about warning that we found was just that there were way more people interacting with us and talking about us Mm-hmm. Um, you know, percentage-wise, compared to a lot of other podcasts, which I, which, just always made me just feel so happy and, and proud of what we were doing because it seemed like it was something that was actually resonating with fans. You know, I'm try- I have some other stuff I'm contemplating, saying hopefully you don't mind me eating up uh, so much airtime on this topic. But um, you know, it's kind of interesting when I went when I. Uh, Along with Neil, did Double Plus Good Games podcast back in spring of 2010. I think it was a mere two months after Warning uh, went up. And this may sound like bullcrap, but and I might have told this story on the show before, but um, it was coincidence on timing. So um, I was actually kind of approached a long a long time ago in the early 2000s to do a show with Neil when he worked at the corporate uh, Hollywood video game crazy and they were they were going to do a, like a podcast for the site hmm. and one that just didn't work out for uh, timing people all that kind of and then plus I wasn't with the company anymore and then they were like you know what I go out to the corporate office or whatever that was a long time ago and just by coincidence in 2010 just just to sh- I don't know if this is a backhanded compliment. Just to show you how much of an exciting life I lead. I was on the internet and I was in Google and I was searching and I'm like, boy, I wonder what happened to some of these uh, play workers or game fan, you know, because play went down. And I'm like, I wonder what's going on. And I remember I typed in a few names and I didn't know like the real names. So I'm typing in like the character names. Right. And I came up with warning a huge podcast and I'm like, Wow. So I was like all excited. So I think there was like maybe two episodes up or something like that at the time, and it was kind of interesting too because like I le- like of what I know about Game Fan, like there were a lot of great people there, a lot of knowledgeable people. Yeah. And I don't, I always hate telling this part of the story because I don't want to make it sound complaining favorites, but like pretty much the people who I enjoyed reading the most, I found ironic, were all on the show together. <laughs> so I'm like, wow. So that's kind of interesting and then as it turns out a couple months later on my end of things we came together and did a podcast now with all of that background information you know i looked at it a few different ways with the podcast that i did with neil that neil i should say that neil did i i was a mouthpiece so you know i love talking games and it comes easy to me and i personally liked gaming wise listening to warning the most now, with that being said, I never really wanted to do warning. No, like, I never wanted to do that type of show on my end, though, even though I liked it the most because I look at it kind of like this. And I, I, I don't want to say business-wise because it wasn't really like competing. If warning is the best at what they do, even though – and I like that type of stuff the best. 
I can't really compete with it. Like, I can't do that. Like, right. if I was sitting in a room with the three of you, I could – I feel I could hold up my end of the conversation, right? I love Japanese gaming. I have some knowledge on Asia, Japan. Um, I feel I have a pretty good grasp on things in general. But once we start getting into like the origins of wizardry or like the, you know, every composer of every major like square title or Konami and, you know, I mean, now we're getting into like, that's not easy. Like when you really sit down and do your homework and you're laying out like, because on my end, I do have experience doing interviews or interviewing guests and stuff that I can actually speak firsthand. But like when you start to get into some of the stuff that Warning was doing, it's not that easy. So on one end, you know, I didn't want to, you know, why why would I even want to compete with that? Because it, it, it you look bad. You know what I mean? So at the same time, you know, we did some things a little different and did interviews and, and all that kind of stuff. You know, we did pretty well for ourselves coming from nothing and just doing things from scratch. But when I looked at Warning, I'm like, you know, um, I, I you know I, I there's so much I think that could have spawned from that, and it's easy to play armchair quarterback because people could look at me. I mean, people could look at Double Plus Good Games and listening right now, and they go, "Well, you had over twenty, thirty top guests, and you had those kind of numbers. So why, you know, if right. I'm pointing the finger at warning a huge podcast, well, why isn't Double Plus Good Games doing X, Y, Z? Well, the answer on that, and it's not negative. I'm friends with the you know. Or most of the people that were on that show. Uh, short answer, life, adult life. Yeah, and I mean, you know, um, obviously I'm not going to get into all our lives, but it was, you know, there, there's various reasons why it didn't work out. Uh, I would, you know, I'm not saying it's dead again. I'm, not, I'm never going to say it's dead until it's dead. But um, there was various reasons why it kind of came to an end. And just if... If you know, like, anything about the three of us in our lives going on, you know, you know that obviously I went through a lot of stuff at that point. Um, You know that, you know, Nick went through stuff in his life, and you know that Casey went through stuff, including a baby. So, uh, you know, every, (laughs) all of us, all three of us had completely different yet very uh, impactful things happening in our life that that threw us into some level of chaos. And I, you know, I mean, it's like I, I, I want to be careful because I don't feel like I'm the kind of person that likes bragging a lot, but I think Warning was the kind of show that it's it's it was popular because it was just so specialized you know it makes me think of going to japan and seeing you know vocaloid magazine or or the fact that they have persona magazine there you know and if you're a persona fan you're like oh my god there's an entire magazine devoted to something i love this was uh an entire podcast devoted to japanese gaming at a point that to be fair so much of American and Western media was writing off Japanese gaming. You know, that's the thing to remember too, is that like, like you had so many sites and, and other people and media folks who were like, Japanese gaming's dead. The West rules now. Why would you play these Japanese RPGs anymore? Why would you play these games? You know, 
not going to mention them, but a very big and famous uh, video game media outlet who has talked to Swery and, and covered Billy Premonition at the same time thought the game was garbage. You know, and, and, and they, they get at times credit and, and, and love for covering that stuff, but behind the scenes, they just hated the game. They thought it was just terrible. Is this the per individual years ago that gave it a 10? Uh, I I don't I don't think so. Wait, I'm not else. trying. I'm not trying to pry the answer out of you. But wait, just to make sure I understand what you just said, the people who praised it. Well, uh, I mean, not necessarily praise it, but hate, like or that the people they, they, they gave it a really good score. Well, I'm saying that that they they ended up doing like interviews with Swery and they okay. would cover the game and stuff like that. Um. You know that they were people who saw that as something that they could use as content to get views. Yeah, yeah. Like that, to, which yeah. I mean, look, look. I'm not yeah. faulting them for at all, but they were even though they were doing that, they still did not have a, uh, any kind of like or not any kind of, but I think a decent level of respect or understanding of that game. You know, so it's I think Warning was a podcast you could go to where. If you love those games, you could hear three people talk about them in depth, giving you information you weren't getting anywhere else, and at the same time, not making fun of you or those games that you love. You know, and I mean, we obviously made fun of stuff. You know, we had idea fuck. We had a lot of other things <laughs> that we made fun of, but I think all of our teasing and stuff was always out of love. And we never came at these games saying like they're garbage because they're from Japan or because they're horribly developed or because of this or that, or they have too much fan service or whatever. Um, you know, we, we genuinely, the three of us all had that real passion for that stuff. And I think that, that, that helped hit a target audience of people who weren't getting that, that, um, appreciation for those kind of games from other people. And that's kind of been, like, my, almost my entire career is what I've tried to do is, you know, to this day, projects I'm working on and things I'm doing are trying to help spread the love for these Japanese gaming, mm -hmm. these Japanese games, because I think so many people nowadays, outside of that fan base, just write them off so quickly and are just so, so quick to say that they're garbage or, or worthless or whatever. Hmm. Mm. So you know, it's like it's, it's like anything. It's like you know, if you care about something that's that's very specific, you want to find people who also like that thing and know a lot about it and are telling you things you don't or haven't heard yet. You know what I always used to think when listening to Warning, because as you've just stated, you know, the Japanese state of gaming hasn't been the strongest in recent years. You know, I always felt, could you imagine if the technology was there, being able to do a warning-type show at the height of Japanese gaming or, like, when yeah. GameFan was around, you know? That would have been... Uh, but, like, 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 to be fair, like, you saying that, like, like, how many times do you hear how dead the Vita is, right? Yeah, and I'm guilty. Look, I'm guilty. I but, but, like, Exceed, I think it was Exceed, I'm, I feel horrible from getting this wrong, like... Exceed just announced like three new games for next year for for Vita that are coming like already you know in the middle of 2016 like that system still has plenty of games coming for it and plenty of great Japanese games but just everybody is so quick to write <laughs> those kind of things off right. so I think you know 
when you find somebody who's like, okay, not only is Evita not dead, here's all the cool stuff coming for it. Like, there's a, a fantastic NeoGAF thread on the Vita right now where it's like 200 plus Vita games still coming out, you know? What? And, and you're like, oh my god, there's like so much stuff still great for this system, but you've got so many other people at the same time telling you, you know, Vita is dead, Vita is dead, Vita is dead. I'm listening. I, I'm guilt. I'm I'm very guilty. I, I I'm very guilty. Yeah, I I've said some negative things about Vita <laughs> in in recent. Oh, I've I've written them down. Trust me, as a list. <laughs> and here's how I now I'm speaking for myself. Now this has nothing to do with warning, you know. And this is probably because I'm never happy. So this is the real answer. The real answer is I'm never happy. So. <laughs> You know, I get the opportunity to do the the podcast or double plus good games, and and I, and I by the way, I love doing this podcast. So this, so this isn't <laughs> this isn't going in some sort of weird direction. But like, I'm like, you know, with today's technology, we have a medium. I can finally like, I can finally talk games. I've been doing it for years, you know, in my personal life and people I know and connected to some great people. And I've always loved Japanese, you know, the, the anime, Japanese gaming, the sci-fi, the cyberpunk, you know, all the cool stuff. And now, finally, here's here's the opportunity. Here's, you know, the ability to do it from home, don't have to travel. And the piece of me um, that's always woe is me is that I finally have the platform and... Japanese gaming isn't where it was. <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. I mean, is yeah. that a fair? I don't know if that's a, uh, a Debbie Downer statement or from looking for sympathy. But I mean, is that a is it a fair statement for me to make that for my passion for the hobby and Japanese gaming primarily? Is it? Am I nuts if I tell people that I'm finally able to do it? I'm connected with great people, the right people, and now the unfortunate aspect is. Japanese gaming is, for the most part, a shell of its former self. So, like, when I start talking to people about, you know, the stuff I like or, you know, what was hot, and I even will go into detail about, you know, in the, you know how the the, satura- the market with the, in, uh, uh, you know, the subscriber base of the different magazines and how, you know, how you really had to live through the era to really understand it, you know, versus the Internet age. And and now it's just like, damn, you know it's. But you know it, it would it would have been complete yeah, utter insanity if like podcasting had existed when when game fans still existed. Yeah, I mean that would have been the craziest <laughs> podcast ever. I think because like people don't just don't understand like the different personalities that existed at that at that company. Like it was just so diverse and and. You know, for for as like hundred fifty percent as you may think, like Nick Rocks or or myself can be about things. Like almost every not every, not almost every person, but so many people at that, that office were the exact same way. Like we had n- n- you know Nintendo people who were just like worshiping Nintendo as a religion almost and stuff like <laughs> that. You know, so it would have been an amazing podcast had that existed. Hmm. Oh, and also, people, you know what? Uh, we actually there was a, a Twitter thread recently between um, Terry Wolfinger, who you know, and uh, Nick Rocks and myself, and we were saying how we should get Terry to to redraw our old school game fan characters in like new era style. 
So people should bug Terry on Twitter <laughs> to get him to do that. That is something that if fans do discuss it with him, he's he loves hearing. The one thing I tell you about Terry Wolfinger, he loves hearing from the fans. He loves the fans. Uh, when he worked at Game Fan, he would literally take the time, like whenever there were um, uh, giveaways or anything to do with his art or contests, that he would be in charge of it. Game Fan, he always made sure to pack, deliver, write, and do all that stuff and send it out to his fans firsthand. And I'll, I'll tell you a little secret. Part of the reason for that was not only because he liked doing it, <laughs> but because he, he, didn't, he didn't say the word couldn't trust, but he knew the track record of some of the other higher-ups at Game Fan in terms of being not quick on the draw or being late and not following through with stuff. So he, it was always important to him to do that stuff firsthand. So... Um, so basically, what you're saying is, is maybe if we can send Terry a duo R, yeah. we can convince him to to do this new artwork. Send the love and send the praise Terry's way, and I, this one the one thing I can tell you is that he loves the fans. Um, he ke- his art keeps improving. I know he. I'll tell you another little secret about him because he's probably not going to listen to this episode. Terry has a special spot for people that remember him and his work from the game fan days so he's got a lot he's got a ton of fans right now and i'm not doing tit for tat here like he does a lot of stuff for famous monsters magazine he does a lot of stuff for big shows down in california he works for a big agency and his art with all due respect and even he'll tell you this to to your face his art has improved tenfold since the game fan days although there's a special spot for that but But through all of that and through his improvements and through his, uh, you know, uh, progression in his career, I know he still probably appreciates the most the people from the Game Fan era. And I think that all comes down to, like, that's because of when his work was starting. You know, it was his younger days and people appreciating him and his work before he got bigger. Right. So, so yeah, be be you're more than welcome to hit him up and chat him up. He does love interacting with the fans. And as for the redrawn avatars and revisiting some of the game fan glory days with a new coat of paint, so to speak, I don't think that's out of the question. I just think it's going to be a little bit of a timing issue. No, I was thinking like oh, like we should totally like try to try to like kickstart like a new uh, adventure the monitor comic or something like that. And even it, get even see if we can get Dave Howerson to oh. give you know to be involved too. Because then, like you know, I was I was talking. <laughs> no, I, I had this whole thing thought out. It's like okay, if I'm talking to Terry about remaking my character into more of like a mad, like healer kind of thing, you know, my doctor kind of thing is like I could you know because last the series ended up like E Storm was left as a vegetable, you know. Ooh. <laughs> uh, not a literal vegetable, you know, but like a mental vegetable. So, um, like, I could like have this thing about like, you know, just having me do it, you know, bring him back from that and complications or whatever. And like, I think there's like tons of just crazy stories we could have of like trying to bring these characters back and and having just like this fun little comic book for people who actually remember that. I don't know if you want me to open this can of worms on uh, Dave Halverson. And Probably I, not. I, I, I'm gonna keep it very. I'm gonna keep this honestly very professional. For, for real. So this could be aired anywhere. I think when it comes to Dave Halverson, Terry's a very professional man. He's an adult, so he's willing to 
he can work through things if necessary. So, so I'll leave it at that. No, like I'm saying, like, but I'm totally, with that, this, with at, that at this being point, said, at this point, I'm totally, I'm totally fine with like talking to Dave again and everything. But with that being said, because you brought it up, where the hell is he these days? Nobody knows. <laughs> Nobody knows. That's the real question. That's the real question: is where, uh, in what part of the desert? Is yeah, uh, DH did, at. Do you know who Art Bell is? Yeah, yes. Maybe like Dave's like have like this weird late night <laughs> radio show about aliens and something out of the <laughs> the desert somewhere. Man. So yeah. So and by the way, I guess since we mentioned his name so much, Terry Wolfinger, I think on Twitter, I think it's just Terry Wolfinger, just like it sounds. So he's around. But yeah, that was a very interesting back and forth on Twitter recently between uh Nick Rocks, you Terry and I don't know if Casey got involved. I don't. I don't think Casey was yeah. involved. I think he's like off and on, kind of Twitter at times. Yeah. So. Yep. yep. But uh, we are now approaching the two and a half hour mark, and uh, I had a side conversation with Molly earlier, saying to keep it within two hours. I don't mind going a little bit longer, but we we're going to try and keep it a little bit shorter tonight. But um, we'll keep it going a little bit more here. Um, I'll just kind of I'll do my. Uh, infamous rapid firing down stuff and we can, you can either comment or move on before i do that though I, with all due respect was there anything of urgency or importance that you wanted to get out on this episode of, besides what we've talked about nope i don't think so um did you watch the new seven uh, persona five trailers nope cooperation characters nope that's probably why that went over your head earlier i'm not watching it they showed the ending, one of the endings. I'm kidding. Of the game? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, no, at this at this point, I decided I'm I'm kind of done watching anything. I'm you just, just want to be uh, yeah. Um. Okay, let's see. We've got oh, d- exciting news, positive news. Uh, after I just got done dogging about seventy percent of the stuff we talked about tonight, I do have something nice to say. You ready? Sure. Pac Man Championship Edition Two coming in September. Nope. I uh, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna play it. Absolutely gonna play it. But um, I'm not happy with the name. It should not be Championship Edition Two because uh, I am a Championship Edition purist. I that is one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, DX took the ideas and went super crazy with them. I think it was a totally fine game on its own, but um, it was not what I considered to be the champion. Edi- championship edition kind of like competitive game and this looks even wilder and crazier so i hate the name hmm. well we are all about honesty here at the generic video game podcast uh, did you did you happen to catch speaking of twitter did you catch neil Druckmann's tweet on naughty dog when he tweeted on wednesday the 20th about quote first melania trump and now this end quote uh, poking fun at the comparison of the Rise of the Tomb Raider 20-year celebration box versus the Uncharted, the Nathan Drake collection box, sharing quite similar aesthetics in terms of the covers. What's funny about that, though, is that then somebody d- dug up one of the Tomb Raider Definitive Edition <laughs> covers, which looks very similar. Uh, mm. So did, did you know, Night Dog copy off of them? And also Night Dog's gotten in trouble before. 
for accidentally putting things like um, Assassin's Creed artwork in their yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. So I always like I always worry. So a perfect example of this is uh, uh, the whole supposed thing came out about Inafune saying it's better than nothing. Right. Or or no, it was it wasn't that. It was the uh, the 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 commercial for the game for my number nine about like. Being like a dateless anime nerd on Prime. Oh yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. One okay, one of those two games, or one of those two mm-hmm. quotes, and then the Sonic the Hedgehog Twitter account, yes, like made made fun of that for them, and that was funny. But at the same time, you're like, you know what? Sonic doesn't really have a lot of room to talk about that because a lot of their recent games have been kind of garbage. So, S- yeah, Sonic didn't have any room to talk. Until this evening. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Potentially, we hope. And, and for those who don't know, uh, fresh off the digital presses, um, was it Sonic Mania? Is that right? I I want to say Sonic Mania. The twenty fifth anniversary coming spring of twenty seventeen for Xbox One, PlayStation Four, uh, and I'm double checking the name right now. Yep, Sonic Mania. Yeah, Sonic Mania. Spring 2017 for so, PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Yeah, so there is hope. Uh, for those that don't know, I believe it was just announced at San Diego Comic-Con, a 2D, more traditional, old-school Sonic game uh, utilizing levels from older Sonic games uh, with tweaks as well as new zones, three characters to play in total, including Sonic, Tails, and Knuckles. Um first Sonic game I've been... Okay, if I'm if I'm not lying, I was excited for Sonic Generations at the time back in like 2010 for what it was. Yeah. But for, the, but for the most part, this is the first Sonic game I've been excited about right now, probably in about 15 years. So this is... Uh, it looks... I mean, it, it basically looks like what it would happen if a new Sonic game, game came out on Genesis. It's almost kind of like Mega Man 9 and 10 in that regard, you know? Uh, this is coming from... Oh, uh, Christian Whitehead, who is very well known in the community because he's the one who put the Sonic Retro engine together, which was able to not um, emulate old Sonic ROMs, but basically rebuild the old games from scratch, which is what gave us like the Sonic CD release on a bunch of platforms, and then Sonic and Sonic 2 on like iOS and Android. This is somebody who's very well known in the community for for like doing Sonic stuff, and Sega's worked with him before, and I guess it sounds like he is one of the people in charge of this project. Which yeah, is cool. so that's exciting news, and congrats to him. Yeah. So that game, uh, all in a matter of minutes, shot towards the top of my most wanted list. And then, uh, let's see... I did download Assault Suit Lanos recently for PlayStation 4, 2D side-scrolling mech action game. Um, yeah, I really need to grab that. I haven't grabbed it yet. Yeah, well, you know, don't make the mistake I did because uh, while I knew Assault Suit Lanos was coming, and I could have sworn a physical release was coming, and then it didn't seem so because the digital came out and no physical, I was informed recently um, that I guess there is a physical still coming, I think in September. I was I was rather upset about that. I guess um, there was a delay. There was some sort of delay, but they decided to release the digital first. At least that's the excuse they gave 
to get it out for fans, but then the physical would be coming. But I really wish I knew that because I would have just gotten the physical. Yeah, yeah, there is. It says the physical box release of the PS4 version includes a deluxe double-sided poster featuring artwork from the Japanese release as well as the original art from the classic 16-bit release. Uh, if you don't mind me asking because I don't have that up on my screen, um, when and how much? Um, that's a good question uh, because this is basically was a PR or a press release. I keep saying PR. Press release from a couple months back. Let me see if it's got any kind of... I wonder if it's, is it on Amazon at all? Um, I, I haven't checked in a couple of days. Let's see. Assault Suit Lanos. Let's see if they have a listing for the physical version. Uh, I don't see one for the physical release. Oh, oh, whoa. I was like, oh, wait a minute, but that was the Japanese import. Whoops. Yeah. I, it's got to be, I'm assuming 20 bucks in September, but uh, I'm keeping my eye out for it. Lanos. Um. Mm, yeah, it's yeah. It's on Amazon, but Amazon just has the Japanese version. Okay. Well, and here's yeah. the thing: I don't have a whole lot to say about it. I did about three levels of it from what I played. Uh, I enjoyed it for the most part. It didn't it's like hard. <laughs> Is it not difficult? Uh, I gotta play it some more. I I have to play it some more because I think there's eight stages. And there's a couple different modes. Um. I gotta play more because I'm sure it's gonna get harder. So, I, like I said, I, it's I, I'm not the best judge on this right now because I haven't played it, done enough of the levels. But um, anyone who says they beat the original without using the cheat code is yeah. a liar. <laughs> yeah, that's a different story. You know what it could have been? I might maybe I didn't do the original Genesis. The that's probably what it was. I think I might have done the remix mode or something. Uh, I'll have to get back to you on that. So I did download that. Uh, oh, another one. I'll tell you a game that is hard that I, that you know I haven't done this in years, but I almost wanted to slam the controller down, and I haven't done that acting like a baby in a very very long time, and that's because I was playing the Arcade Archives Gradius Two release on PlayStation Four, mm. which hit July fifteenth. Yeah, let me. You want to talk about some tough as nails? That game, you know, and mm. as you know, it's one of those old school games where when you. Um, <clears throat> When you get the power-ups and you're cooking, you're blasting through everything. And when you take that first loss and then you start back, talk about a loss of motivation. And uh, I guess we can kind of end on this. It's not going to take long. Um, As of right now, you have won a small bet amongst us, but it's not over yet. Okay. I believe on the last recording, I told you distinctly that Gravity Rush 2 would not make it out this year. Ah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, yes. And yes, it- yes, yes. <laughs> now, to be fair, to be fair, um, when its Japanese date got announced, which was after our show, to be clear, but when the Japanese date got announced at December, f- December 2nd? No, 1st. 1st. Um... It was very easy to believe that it would have been pushed back to 2017. Right. But it's not. They're saying, I think, December 2nd for us? December 2nd. Yeah, Next we'll see. day. You think it's going to stay? And then uh, I think Europe is November 30th. Really? The day before the Japanese release. Uh-huh. Well, that's going to be... 
Well, as of right now, you are the victor. Um, I'm very guilty. I haven't gotten my Overwatch fix in uh, this past week. Uh, I, I haven't. I'm I'm guilty because I've been playing too much Overwatch and not playing what I'm supposed to be playing. So, <laughs> have you been playing as the new support character Anna? I, I try to. She's actually really interesting. Like, um, I think it's gonna be hard to get good with her for me because I'm not good at sniping on consoles. Uh, but she she's a really interesting character, and she definitely adds. A totally new kind of style to the game, which is mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. Well, I'm planning to give that a shot this weekend. And uh, as we wrap things up here on GVGP, yeah, what do you have uh, going on this weekend, gaming wise? You going to be doing more Overwatch, playing anything new? I am Setsuna. Oh, really? That's what I need to be getting into. Yes. It, you uh, you have to review it. Yep. I got to look at this before we, if that's what I think it is. That's like the old school, th- people keep calling it like Chrono Trigger-like, which I don't know if I'd call it that, but that's like, this is the Square Enix RPG that just came out that is kind of very, like, old school style. Wow. What was I thinking? I don't know. Oh, now I'm kind of sorry I looked this up. What have uh, you been hearing about it, if anything? Um, I mean, I've played a little bit of the previous events, and it's. I think it's really neat. It's just What's, uh, the question seems to be from people who have played more of it than I have is um, if it kind of holds up over time or not. Like if it ages gracefully. Like, like is it is it just too kind of uh, old school homage? Really? Yeah. Well, and now this is what format? Uh ps4 and i don't know if it's pc or not i know in japan they had a a vita version but we didn't get the vita version i'm looking well what does it well when uh is it out in the u.s already yeah it came out tuesday i can't find it on uh, amazon no it's, it's only digital only How much, you know, how much are they charging? Um, I don't know. Mm. Digital only, huh? Mm-hmm. Well, maybe I'll give it a sh- Maybe I'll take a look at it. Well, that sounds interesting. Yep. I have about 87 billion games on my stack to get back to. Oh, yeah. Trust me, so do I. I actually started a bit of uh, Zero Time Dilemma. Mm, great game. Yeah, I was enjoying it. So, uh... Yeah, chipping away at that. So we'll see how things go uh, this weekend. I can't even remember what I have in there last, what I was playing. Probably some old school virtual console stuff. But uh. but yeah, nonetheless, uh want to thank listeners once again. Uh, feel free to send us some more fan mail. I always love that type of stuff. Uh, it not yeah. only it, it gives us... Not only does it give us something else to talk about, it could be a randomized topic. And uh, I kind of like that kind of free flow, not knowing what's coming. So I kind of like how that breaks up the format. And I will actually check this time before every show. So if you do send us email, it'll get read. Yeah, and thank you for the kind words. Uh, that was a very wonderful email. The first one by, what was it, Aaron? Yep. So that was a great email. Thank you for that. And, um, yeah, so we hope uh, everyone has had fun listening once again. Hope you're staying cool in these summer days. Hope you're not overcrowded at the ongoing San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, we hope you're not suffocating in a backlog of games that uh, 
akin to what Molly and I have. Uh, and until next time, um, have an awesome one, and we'll be back sooner than later. <laughs>